Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really, quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbuster. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that's ready to believe the big bad villain of Ghostbusters Frozen Empire is Snow Miser from the Rankin Bass classic A Year Without a Santa Claus, because whatever he might touch freezes in his clutch, and it's all too much. I'm your host Jim Maritato, aka Vink Maniac on the internet, and I'm thrilled to be back with you after a week off full of amazing milestones towards the next Ghostbusters movie. And for those wondering, Jim... Why did you not put out a podcast the week the trailer came out after talking for weeks and weeks about when the trailer would come out? Well, this is kind of simple, everybody. The trailer came out on Wednesday. The podcast comes out on Tuesdays and is recorded over the weekend. And while I love making the podcast and engaging you each week, I'm not a time traveler, so I couldn't potentially see the trailer and then also put out a podcast the same week. Uh, And additionally, life and work exist. Uh, As much as I love making the podcast and engaging you all each week, I had to make some time for those things, and so I made a strategic choice to hold off until after I knew a trailer came out for our next episode, rather than to give you another episode last week that would have said, when do we think the trailer will drop? (laughs) So um, if you're wondering why there was no podcast or no emergency podcast, uh, that's why. Uh, There was things going on during the week, but also it seemed pretty evident that there was a trailer that was imminent but would not be out at the time the podcast was released. That being said, if you haven't seen it already, if you want to see a blow by blow sort of trailer, uh, you know, beat by beat reaction from me uh, and some other folks, I was involved in a panel with Yes Have Some podcast, as well as the guys from the containment unit and uh, John Yurkaba over on the Yes Have Some podcast uh, YouTube feed, which you can go and find uh, from last Friday. So if you get done with this episode and you don't feel like you've had enough conversation, about the trailer uh, that involves me, you can go and take a look at that as well. Uh, But I'm excited to be talking with you this week, and hopefully you'll forgive the slight delay in getting to talk about the big news. And I think it'll be worth it, because this week we've got three great guests who are coming by to help me talk about the trailer and break down our reactions, the fan response to it, etc. Jason Fitzsimmons of Ghostbusters News and Tony Taylor and Brendan Pierce of Phantasm Toys and Baduji Studios fame are with us this week. And Jason, Tony, and Brendan chatted with me for about 90 minutes over this past weekend. It was a fun conversation that I'm stoked to share with you, uh, where we get into a lot of our reactions to the trailer, what we're hoping is going to happen with the movie as a result, how fans are reacting to it, what we think about the marketing of the film, a whole bunch of different stuff, uh, and, you know, with some good fun and laughs along the way. So I'm happy to share that with you this week. But before we can do that, it's been two whole weeks since we last talked on Halloween, and that means we've got quite a bit of news to talk about. In Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. Call in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. Okay, so obviously the big news this week is that the trailer for the next Ghostbusters movie came out. And with it, our official title of Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. So this means we get to put the name Ghostbusters Firehouse to bed for now. But to be sure, I'll admit 
that that working title is going to hold a place in my heart for a long time. I got used to saying it for a really long time, and I kind of half expected by the time we got here uh, that they were going to tell us we just chose that as the title. <laughs> it seemed to stick for everyone. Uh, but, you know, I'll also say that the last time we spoke, I suggested I wasn't really believing a lot of the rumored titles and that I would take a wait and see approach to which title was in the trailer. So for those of you who reached out to say, hey, Jim, Frozen Empire is the title. Please treat yourself to a big cookie um, because you turned out to be right. If you've somehow been living under a rock and you have not seen this trailer, the big plot point reveals so far are that we've got a new big bad who attacks New York City with giant ice shards, freezing cold and what Dan Aykroyd or Ray Stance or Dan Stanceroyd calls the death chill. Uh, the power to scare so hard that it freezes people to death in an instant, kind of like flash freezing seafood, except applied to people and through scaring rather than technology. <laughs> so uh, the trailer and the film both look excellent and I'm thrilled about them, but I'm going to hold off on additional discussion of the trailer here for the most part because you've got 90 minutes of trailer discussion following headlines this week. But I will say I'm totally excited about this forthcoming film. I feel a sense of relief and anxiety has lifted for me knowing the title and having a sense that the movie is actually on track to be coming out in spring. And in terms of tone, perhaps we should look to Kamel Nanjiani, who tweeted out in the past week with gratitude for being involved in the picture, but also saying, quote, I'm a huge fan of the real Ghostbusters, the animated series, and that show was a point of reference for this movie. The filmmakers wanted to make a long episode of the animated series. So if you love that show as I do, be excited. And I have to say that makes me really excited because the real Ghostbusters was a huge part of why I'm a Ghostbusters fan. As much as I saw Ghostbusters when I was four years old in 1984 and thought the movie was great, it was certainly the cartoon that inspired me the most as a kid to become a Ghostbusters fan. It was that version of Egon Spangler that I dressed up as on Halloween. Uh, and so I, I'm excited to uh, you know see where this movie is going to go. And you can hear a lot more about that when we get into the conversation with Jason, Tony and Brendan. Uh, in a little bit. An additional piece of officially sanctioned Ghostbusters media, though, that we should talk about for a few moments uh, was released via YouTube. YouTuber Emolition shared behind the scenes video from a set visit, not unlike the one we saw a few weeks ago, uh, but this one provided not only views of people making slime and uh, dressing up in flight suits, but also providing some close up views of updated props. So real quick, if for some reason you don't want to hear about changes to the proton pack, and the ghost trap because you're listening to a podcast discussing a trailer, but you don't want to know more than what was in the trailer, <laughs> then fast forward past the next five minutes. And to be real here, there's not much I'm going to talk about that wasn't in the trailer. Um, but if you want to know more officially sanctioned info that expands upon what's seen in the trailer, here's what there is to know. The proton pack has been updated to have a revised bumper that now has a third bottom section that wraps around the bottom of the pack and the entire bumper is recolored to be yellow. Uh, so it has high visibility. Presumably, this new third leg of the Proton Pack bumper would protect the pack from many ass over tea kettle falls we've seen the Ghostbusters take over the course of the series, because uh, it essentially wraps underneath the bottom of the cyclotron uh, to protect it from getting whacked from underneath. Additionally, the ion arm is turned inward, which means that it's less likely to get caught on things if you were walking around than the current configuration. And additional yellow and black accents have been added to what I like to call the snack door of the Proton Pack, because, um, you know, since the release of the HasLab Pack, there's a weird door on the side of it where you can put things um, like, I don't know, Cheez-Its. Uh, there's also a new wiring harness that has been added to the center of the Proton Pack. 
where the ribbon cable connects. So in the past, if you looked at the proton pack, the ribbon cable passed through a hole into the inside of the pack and presumably connected to hardware inside. There's now a ribbon, uh, rather a wiring harness on the outside of the pack that the ribbon cable is being connected to. Uh, the Neutrona wand also has updated color schemes as well as a new barrel that's made of metal as opposed to acrylic. So um, some real changes here to the hardware, not overall like in mind-blowing ways where it's completely new proton pack, but certainly an upgraded one or one that's been modified for a particular use. Uh, what the new fu functionality will be from these upgrades or changes, we don't know yet. We'll see that in the film. But given that the plot of the movie disclosed in press releases of the trailer uh, discuss a Ghostbusters research and development lab, it's really likely that these are not going to be the only experimental or upgraded tech we're going to see in theaters next year. Uh, my guess is that these are the ones we've seen so far, but that chances are pretty high that we're going to see some other new Ghostbusting technology, uh, given that a part of this plot is going to revolve around a, an R&D lab that the Ghostbusters have set up. So we'll wait and see what that looks like. But if you want to get a view of, uh, you know, the photos of what the new design looks like, you can head over to Ghostbusters News and find those there pretty easily. Uh, if you want to watch the video itself, I believe that the YouTube channel it's on is called M More Lition. So E-M, the word more, L-I-T-I-O-N. Uh, but you can, of course, you know, you can go to Ghostbusters News. You know, Jason's got your goods. He's got them embedded right there in the page and you can find everything you need. Uh, beyond the sort of discussion about official content news, let's talk for a few minutes about official merch news over the last two weeks. The big thing that's happened is that the HasLab 2 in a Box Ghostbusters PKE and Ghostbusters Trap Combo uh, have reached its first or rather their first stretch goal at 12,000 backers, meaning that we're all now getting blueprints and stickers to go with our PKE meters and traps if you've backed this thing. Uh, so that's pretty cool, kind of exciting. I'll admit I'd be more excited if we knew we were getting the belt hangers, but we're on our way there. The first ghost trap belt hanger will be unlocked at 15,000 backers, and we're just on the cusp of 14,000 with, I mean, literally almost a month to go um, still on this thing. So <laughs> I'm not too concerned that we won't get those belt hangers or enough backers won't come along. Uh, but I will say that, you know, that's the those are definitely the unlocks I'm more interested in than the stickers and the blueprints. But if you're into stickers and blueprints, if you've ever really just wanted a Camp Wakanda bumper sticker for your car, you're getting one as long as you are getting a proton pack or rather not a proton pack, as long as you're getting a Ghostbusters PKE meter and ghost trap combo uh, from HasLab. Remember, you have about, you know, about a month left to do that if you're going to get in on it. And your price on that is $299.99. Uh, so I'm totally got mine done. Mine is at this point backed. Now the question will be whether or not I go insane enough to back a second one. I keep talking myself out of this and then I keep coming up with reasons why it might be a good idea. Um, somebody help me before I make <laughs> dumb decisions and buy two of something again. <laughs> but there's some other information out there that's important to know about that HasLab uh, pack or, or duo combo that's out there for you. Uh, Hasbro had a roundtable discussion with a number of fan publications, podcasters, and influencers since we last talked. And for those of you who reached out and said, why didn't you do this? Why weren't you on the panel? I assure you, dear listeners who messaged and asked, if I had the opportunity to be involved, I would have been involved. I did not turn down this opportunity. I just wasn't necessarily invited, but that's okay. Folks like Jason from Ghostbusters News, Craig from Yes Have Some, AJ Quick from GB Fans, and more 
uh, you know, folks that we admire and consider contemporaries in the community were on hand via Zoom with the HasLab product team, and they got an opportunity to be involved in a Q&A session for about an hour. Uh, both Ghostbusters News and YHS have posted the video stream of this to their various uh, places of distributing content to YouTube uh, and to Jason has posted on Ghostbusters News. Obviously, I highly recommend watching the entire uh, Q&A so you can have an understanding of sort of what was talked about as there's some hints about potential things coming down the pike, uh, but that aren't necessarily confirmed, etc. But the short list of confirmations and clarifications about the HasLab include the following. Uh, the first thing is that there's questions raised in this about whether or not uh, the, the devices are going to have room for upgrades from fans. And I believe that Jason actually started off the Q&A with this question. And what they answered from Hasbro was that it's being made with the same fan-focused appeal as the Proton Pack HasLab, but for liability and legal purposes, they will discourage you from taking apart and modifying your stuff, um, which is, you know, kind of a veiled way of saying, just as we made the Proton Pack easy for you to mod, and there's entire Facebook groups of people who are modding Proton Packs, we also made this thing really fan-focused and designed with the same kind of appeal, uh, implying that there's likely going to be space within these items to add in things if you want to. Uh, one of the things that folks have talked about adding into this uh, include a smoke effect, and apparently as a result of the Q&A, it came out that there was some discussion about putting that in as a stock item, but due to uh, some issues with supplementary testing and added costs, they ended up deciding not to do so. However, uh, they do disclose that the final trap will have, as Jason called it, a sizable cavity within the main body, uh, allowing fans to add their own stuff in and potentially wiring it in, but it's not something that Hasbro is going to sign off on. Uh, additionally, Hasbro confirmed that the metal pieces on the ghost trap are indeed metal, so the things on the front and side in terms of plates, the attachment screws, uh, switches, the XLR cable and the XLR jack, the V-hook, etc., and the wheels are in fact made of die cast. So um, you're getting something here that's not a bunch of plastic. In the same sense that the Spengler one had a lot of metal greeblies and things on it and was pretty durable in terms of its build, uh, hopefully these are going to be designed in a very similar fashion. They're coming from the same teams. Uh, they're coming from the same kind of design house, and the same philosophy. So I would imagine that if you're happy with your build quality and the use of, uh, you know, rely or rather the implementation of good metal parts on the last two Hasbro products that came out as Ghostbusters roleplay items, you'll probably be stoked with these too. Uh, and there's also some other pieces of information there about things like the PKE meter. Apparently fans have given some feedback about how the PKE meter nubs right now, or rather the wings, uh, need some redesign that they kind of are not quite the right shape, despite the fact being scanned off of a prop and, uh, that there are some slight differences to how the afterlife taser mode should look. And so there's some clarification there that there's going to be a slight redesign of those things to respond to fans, uh, concerns. The other big piece of information there that people have been wondering about is will this PKE meter make accurate noises? Because let's be real, we've never received a PKE meter that actually makes the noises of a PKE meter in the movie. And Hasbro has confirmed that they have been given access to the appropriate sound libraries, and we should expect to get a PKE meter that replicates what we see on screen in terms of its sound. Uh, one thing they did not comment on because they are still working on development of it was how the EMF detector um, that has been announced for the PKE meter is going to work, what its functionality will be, etc. So that is yet to be seen. Uh, again, that's a quick, a very quick breakdown of what was an hour of content 
talking about the HasLab pack, or I keep saying HasLab pack, but I don't mean to, uh, the HasLab PKE meter and ghost trap combo. Um, I want to encourage you to go take a look at this actual Q and a and watch it. it I, you watch it and it takes you an hour it's an hour of your time, but you can of course watch it on 1.5 X probably, you know, and then it only takes you 45 minutes. <laughs> but the point I'm getting at here is that there's a lot of content in there, uh, that, you know, could probably make up an entire podcast of its own. So take a look at that, um, because it answers some particularly interesting questions and offers up some insights about what this product is going to be like when we all get it. I'm still incredibly excited about it. And I have to say, if you haven't backed this thing, you're probably going to regret it. If you don't, if you don't have a, a, a working PKE meter that is screen accurate in terms of sound and has a taser option, which, you know, not actual, you can't go shock anyone with it, but there's, there's no other place you're going to get that. Nobody else is making that. Um, and a, a ghost trap that has a rumble motor in it, which is now confirmed. Uh, and, does all of the things that you expect a ghost trap to do of lighting up the doors opening the pedal working. If you want one of those, your options right now are to otherwise go and get a really crappy option that was released only at Walmart, uh, that has really low build quality and will cost you like over $200 to find on eBay or to go spend the exorbitant amount of money spending several more hundred dollars on a Maddie trap on eBay. I will say this since the announcement of this bundle, those prices or rather those items have kind of showed up on eBay because people are looking to dump them in a panic at this point, thinking they're going to just suddenly devalue given the new props on the market. But if, if history teaches us anything, it's that there was a slight dip in the market prices on the Neutrona wand from Hasbro, uh, when the Spangler wand came out and then it pretty much just kind of rebounded and went right back up. And if you want to find one in the box now, it's probably going to run you still 300 bucks. So uh, my advice, if you are a person who is even thinking about this thing, stop thinking about it and just do it. You won't regret it later. Whereas if you don't have these two props uh, and you really want to want to use them later on or have them in your collection or use them for cosplay, it's going to be a significant markup just like the Proton Pack is now. Moving away from discussing HasLab and Hasbro products for a few minutes, uh, one thing you should know is if you're into uh, the EH, EHP Labs supplements that have been announced, or you're looking to try out those uh, different proton powders or protein powders, rather, uh, and different uh, pre-workout stuff that they have out there in the market, that is now available at retail. And if you haven't seen his review of them, you can go take a look at Jason Fitzsimmons' video where he tries the entire product line. I had the uh, <laughs> the luxury of talking to Jason after he had tried the entire product line, and he was very energetic. Um, and moving very quickly <laughs> when we talked. So um, I think the products work. I have not had the luxury myself of trying any of the EHP Labs line, and I don't know that I will, to be quite frank, because uh, it's not really a thing that fits within my lifestyle or wheelhouse. But um, if it is something that you're looking for, you can find that now out at different nutrition stores. I believe that Vitamin World was carrying them from what I saw in social media, but I'm sure that you can also order it online. Um, and if you hit, head over to Ghostbusters news, you can find the links, uh, from Jason's coverage. In addition to the EHP lab stuff that's come out, some other officially licensed product news to know about. Let's talk about collectibles for a few minutes. Quarter arcades who are producers of replica working arcade cabinets that are one quarter scaled, hence the name quarter arcades has announced that they will be producing a replica of the data East three player real Ghostbusters game. Uh, which is in fact actually a ROM mod of an existing Data East game called Mekyu Hunter G. And if I butchered that on you and you know that because you know I don't speak Japanese, I'm sorry. 
Uh, but <laughs> I digress. There is no information on price yet, but what's on offer is a highly detailed and working replica of an arcade machine that measures in at about a foot and a half tall with a six inch wide and square screen. So these are ideal as collector's pieces rather than as a machine you're likely to come home and play with three friends, unless your three friends are incredibly small. Uh, but if you want to undertake the challenge, you can. If you want to try and get on your hands and knees and use your fingers to play, you can do that. Um, but these are designed essentially as art pieces. They work. They're working copies of the games. They make all the sounds. They You can play through them from beginning to end if you wanted to. But they're designed as a replica that stands about a foot and a half tall uh, that you put in a collection in a cabinet or you know on a shelf, etc. Or display in your office. If you really wanted to, you could probably use them with, say, um, you know, 12 to 18 inch action figures who could be potentially playing arcade games because they would meet that height. Uh, but the point here is that this is less of a functional game console or game system. It's not like one of those arcade at home or at games arcade machines. It's instead something that's going to go on a desk. More details are to follow on this, but you can stay tuned to the Quarter Arcade's webpage and the, their social media accounts. Um, you should probably expect if you're looking to pick this up, if this is in your wheelhouse of cool little collectible things, this is probably going to be a few hundred dollars uh, to pick up. Their other products are any indicator of this than like their Ninja Turtles uh, cabinets are currently running, I think, around three hundred dollars. They've said in uh, an hour long live stream uh, that happened during this week via YouTube that they're looking to undercut that price of three hundred dollars that they've got currently on their TMNT machines. but. Um, it's not really clear what the price will end up being. So, uh, and it'll be a while before these come out. These have been announced for their 2024, 2025, uh, release schedule. So here we are in 2023, it'll be a while before we see these, but if this is something that kind of fits in your collection or if you're a video game collector who loves little arcade cabinets or something, uh, this is something to keep an eye out for. And one other officially licensed collectible that's been announced this week is that Bradford exchange has offered a sneak preview at an upcoming Slimer lamp that's on its way. Uh, you can easily find images and video clips of this via coverage on Ghostbusters News, but the lamp appears to be potentially 12 to 18 inches tall and includes a glowing Slimer base and a Ghostbusters-themed lampshade. This thing, to me, looks really cool and cute, because I gotta tell you, the other thing he has is a hot dog and a really, really nice-looking slice of pizza, which, you know me, if there's pizza involved, I'm there. So um, there's no details available yet on price for this, but I have to say that of all the Bradford Exchange things that are out there and offered, many of them to me uh, don't appeal. They're like they cost too much money and don't have utility. Um, I'm looking at you, weird magnetic levitating Slimer statue. Um, but I think that this lamp is something that the minute I saw it, I went, oh, I want that. That looks like a Ghostbusters 2 rendering of, you know, or animated rendering of Slimer and uh, is really looks kind of fun. So. Um, if you haven't seen this already, you can go find it on the Bradford Exchange Instagram account. I believe they shared it there. Or you can head over to Ghostbusters News and see Jason's coverage uh, because he's got some pretty detailed discussion of it. In unofficial merchandise news, uh, the first thing I want you to know about is that our friends over at Phantasm Toys have a current offering for a re-release of their original Crypt Creepers mini ghost renderings of the Scary Scolaris, as well as colossal size limited edition figures that come in at about seven inches of cast resin each. You're going to hear more details about this at the end of this week's podcast from Tony and Brennan themselves, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you at the top of this sort of podcast, or I guess now at this point, not top, but somewhere about 25 minutes in, uh, that 
this is an option out there for you if you're interested in continuing to collect the Phantasm uh, line. If you're somebody who's just really into the Scolari Brothers and you want big seven inch, you know, cast resin versions of them that you can use, put on a shelf. We've been joking about how you could use them potentially as bookends. Um, you can go and find those over on phantasmtoys.com to check them out and pre-order. I additionally want you to know about our friends over at the Ghostbusters Containment Unit, which is the autograph collecting group on Facebook, better known to some of us as TCU for short. Uh, the Containment Unit has a brand new signing opportunity with McKenna Grace. This is an outstanding chance to get something that you have in your collection that is reasonable that you might be able to mail in to Tom and Matt to get signed or to order eight by tens, 11 by 14s or 12 by 18 posters or trading cards uh, that you can have signed by McKenna Grace. The window for orders on this is going to be pretty tight. It's less than two weeks. If you're ordering anything, it has to be printed as a photo, etc., because they'll be due by November 27th. Uh, and any of the send in items need to be pre-approved and have to be in hand by no later than December 1st. Uh, as Tom and Matt have communicated, any unpaid orders as of December 1st won't be honored. They have to travel to this signing. So anything that you are considering having sent into them to get signed, you definitely need to contact them to have approved in advance. Uh, and if you are looking to get photos done, then you need to let them know so that way they can print them before they go. Uh, in terms of prices on this, they are talking about any item being signed will be $60 to add a character name will be an additional 15. They believe that there, there may be quotations offered on this. If you want to have uh, McKenna write a quote onto the photo, but it will likely require an additional fee. That's kind of not up to them. This is how things get negotiated is how managers decide how things get done. Uh, so they're trying to figure that out. But for now, you can certainly get an item signed with a character name added additionally. If you wish to the printing prices beyond the $60 signing option are $5 for eight by tens and trading cards and $8 for 11 by 14 and 12 by 18 uh, photos or rather posters. If this is something that interests you and you want to get involved in it, you can find the post over in the TCU collectibles page on Facebook, which is actually the old Ghostbusters containment unit autographs page. Uh, it's still the same people. They just kind of made the thing easier to find. <laughs> but if you want to place an order, Ultimately, the way to do so is going to be to email them at the Ghostbusters containment unit at gmail.com. That is the only way that they are taking orders for this signing. So if you direct message Matt or Tom and say, hey, can you hook me up? They're probably going to tell you, go and email us. So that way this stuff doesn't get lost. Uh, so if you have questions, if you're interested and you want to pick up uh, McKenna Grace autograph, again, the email address to contact is the Ghostbusters containment unit at gmail.com. I can't say enough positive stuff about Matt and Tom and how they handle signings and take care of everybody. I have bought multiple autographs from them. I've bought a mystery box from them and every experience I have is incredibly positive. So don't wait out um, on this. Like don't miss out on this. Don't wait to uh, the last minute and then sort of forget and then be really bummed, especially because McKenna Grace is only getting more and more, uh, you know, sort of desirable as a person whose autograph you would want to get. She's a multi hyphenate who's a performer in music, a performer in film, a performer in television who, you know, essentially has a lot of different places to be and not a lot of opportunities to do signings as a busy individual. 
and whose autograph at this point is becoming in high demand given all those different multi-hyphenate you know, arenas and audiences that she interacts with. So um, my suggestion, if you have an opportunity to pick up an autograph now, do it uh, because you will be bummed out when it's much harder to do it later. Uh, and if you're wondering what I mean by that, think about how much harder it is to get autographs from folks who are potentially like Disney affiliated folks or Marvel affiliated folks who are not necessarily going and doing signings as often anymore unless they're doing them in very high profile places with large uh, price tags on them. So beyond that, there's no judgment there. If anybody's like, wow, why are you being shady to Marvel stars? I'm not. Um, this is just something that's a real reality is that the more somebody becomes well-known and the more successful they are, the more than an autograph ends up costing. So it may be worth it to get involved now. As a final uh, sort of unofficial merchandise thing to know about, which does get brought up in the back end of the podcast this week, uh, Magnolia Clothiers has announced that they will be producing a version of the red parka that is seen in the Ghostbusters uh, Frozen Empire trailer. Uh, if you have not seen the red parka for some reason because you haven't seen the trailer, there's a red parka uh, that the Ghostbusters are wearing. And it has a Ghostbusters logo on it and name tags, and it keeps them really warm from the death chill, presumably. Uh, this is something that if you were to go buy the actual version of this parka would run you somewhere in the ballpark of $1,700 because it's a parka that is designed for like Antarctic expeditions. The thing is supposed to keep you warm at negative 30 degrees Celsius or negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, and so it's not really designed to be an average coat. It is a piece of technical equipment with a very high price tag. Given that most people who want to cosplay as Ghostbusters at some point might want a coat, and given the amount of people who are running around out there freaking out going, how am I supposed to afford an expensive coat now? Magnolia has already announced within less than four days of the trailer coming out that they will be doing uh, a version of the coat and offered some preview images of it. You can go over to their Instagram and social media accounts to see it, or you can, of course, hop over to Ghostbusters News for some coverage of that as well. Okay. A couple of final items here for headlines that I'm going to kind of consider my offbeat news items for the week. Uh, the first is that if you are in L.A. or you're L.A. adjacent and you are interested in going, there are still tickets available for the screening of Ghostbusters Answer the Call at Dynasty Typewriter taking place on Sunday afternoon uh, here in Los Angeles or in Los. If you're I'm not actually in Los Angeles, but I'm close enough. Uh, so I will be showing up at that and covering it. You'll probably hear me talk a bit about it next week because there is a full-blown Q&A afterwards with Paul Feig to uh, talk with him about the movie. And it's now been announced that Katie Dippold, who helped to write that movie with him, will also be appearing as uh, a second guest on that for that event. Rather, it is a charity event or rather a fundraising event for a nonprofit organization that works to support election outreach in different places around the country uh, in sort of battleground states. So uh, it is something that is nonprofit. And if you're interested in going, I will tell you point blank that your tickets are actually tax deductible. How crazy is that? Um, so if you're interested in checking that out, the uh, website or the theater is Dynasty Typewriter and the uh, nonprofit organization who are putting this on, who I believe have the tickets on their website, if not just the Dynasty is the Good Deed Corps. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, it's a pretty cool opportunity. I saw Weird Al in a very similar event run by the Good Deed Corps before. Uh, there's usually free drinks. There's free snacks. We were handed lemon drops coming in the door and given several rounds of free drinks the last time we went. Uh, and so I imagine this will be very similar. And if you do the VIP version of this, there's actually a cocktail party 
with Paul Feig after the movie. So it is also a director's cut of the movie. So what we're going to see is kind of um, a, a question mark. It's not clear if it's the director's cut that's been released already or if it's something else that Paul will be bringing with him and showing the audience. So I'm excited about it. If you're there and you happen to see me, feel free to come up and say hi. Uh, beyond that, uh, the other offbeat news item I'm going to tell you about is that if you lived in the L.A. area in the last week, you might have been chasing down bottles of Crystal Head vodka because it turns out that Dan Aykroyd <laughs> was out being a vodka salesman in the wake of the trailer being released last week. And this just tickled my funny bone. I love that Dan Aykroyd has this is like the heart of the Ghostbusters. But at the same time, as the trailer came out for a multi-million dollar movie that we're all waiting for, he was off in the mornings at Bevmo locations, like at retail stores, signing bottles and then shooting video of himself uh, to post on his Instagram page saying that you could come down to the Bevmo between three and six for free flights of vodka and to buy autograph bottles. He was not there, uh, so nobody got to meet him in person if you went down to buy a bottle. But uh, there were a number of people who were messaging me and asking me how close I lived to see if I could drive down and get bottles. Unfortunately, I don't live in L.A. I live about an hour outside of downtown, so it wasn't really plausible for me to go. But I will say uh, thank you to J.D. Raymer, who did go on my behalf and, and picked up a bottle for me. Uh, so if you are were in the area, uh, this was something that was out there for you to be real. These bottles may still be out there They're, when I know people went down there and said there was nobody here for the for the. Uh, for the flights of vodka, I got three shots of vodka and it was a great time. But um, so the, for all I know, they may still exist out there. But if nothing else, there may be more of this happening. Um, we may see that Dan is going to show up in different markets and go to different things like he was here. Obviously, he's in L.A. regularly, but he was at the Magic Castle uh, on like the fourth day of this doing an event there. So I'm wondering if he's going to be off doing more specialty events rather than so many retail uh, face-to-face events post-COVID, etc., and instead now going to do more specialty events with different vendors or different promoters, and then hop into retail establishments in the mornings to sign bottles in different locales. We'll see. Uh, but rest assured, if I hear any news about where you can pick up bottles of Crystal Head with Dan Aykroyd's signature on it, I will let you know in the future. Um, okay, so that kind of wraps up our news that's happened over the last two weeks. And if there's anything in there that I missed, feel free to let me know because it has been a kind of a busy two weeks with a lot going on with the trailer. But uh, let's go now to my conversation with Jason Fitzsimmons, Tony Taylor, and Brendan Pierce as we get into talking about the Ghostbusters Frozen Empire trailer and what it all means. Joining me on Extraplasm Podcast. Three panelists who I'm excited to have here as we talk about the Ghostbusters Frozen Empire trailer, uh, which we were all waiting for. And I no longer have to say Ghostbusters Firehouse, even though all of these people have been around before when I've said it. Welcome to the podcast. Tony Taylor and Brendan Pierce of Phantasm Toys, Jason Fitzsimmons of Ghostbusters News. How are we all doing? I guess we'll start here with uh, Jason. How are you doing? I, I'm doing quite well. I mean, I, I share your sentiments there. It's so nice not to call it Ghostbusters Firehouse or the entitled <laughs> Ghostbusters sequel or the upcoming Ghostbusters sequel. Uh, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. That's that's apparently why I'm here today. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Nice. I am, too. And I yeah, I mean, we have similar sentiments. It's nice to actually finally have a firm title as opposed to feeling like we're figuring out how to talk about this thing, not knowing what it's called. Uh, Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I actually 
grew quite fond of calling it Ghostbusters Firehouse, actually. So when Frozen Empire was like kind of first leaked or talked about, I was a little like, uh, I kind of like Firehouse more. But after seeing the trailer, I'm in. So I'm excited. Yeah. I admit, I liked, I did grow fond of Firehouse. It was around long enough that I kind of wondered if they might just be trolling us and they may turn around and be like, ha ha, that was the name of the movie the whole time, suckers. <laughs> uh, but I, I agree that like the trailer certainly sent it home for me and I think it's good. And Brendan, um, you're here and I'm excited because you're actually inside the United States like and we don't have like an 18 hour time difference and tons of lag and you're not sick. So welcome to Extra Plaza <laughs> Podcast uh, in yeah, good health and in local context. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm here in Ohio. It's a little nippy compared to Australia, but yeah, it's good to be here and excited for this Ghostbusters movie called Frozen Empire. I actually like the title, so I think it's pretty cool. Well, I imagine that you had more of a Frozen Empire kind of last few weeks, given that like you had an American Halloween. It snowed during it. Um, <laughs> all kinds of things happen. Like was I huge flakes you and I was like, too. Was How was your American Halloween? You're like, I also saw snow, and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> that's actually Ohio. the first time I've ever seen snow, ever touched snow. It was an experience for me, that's for sure. I got Tony to start playing the Home Alone soundtrack for me and put on the fireplace. And I danced <laughs> in the snow. All true. All true things. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, apparently those of you in Ohio are just looking to like get even further ahead into winter than like Jason in Canada. Like for whatever reason, you're just all like, hey, it's Halloween. Let's go straight to winter. Um, just <laughs> go right into it. What the hell? Why not? There's too many Halloween decorations in the store. Put the Christmas trees up already. Um, yeah. But anyway, I digress. I'm glad you're all here. Um, it's exciting to be able to talk to you. I know that, you know, for, uh, Tony and Jason, you were here for the afterlife. Uh, commentary we did back at episode 46 but of course you've yeah. been on a whole bunch and uh brendan you've been on you know, once before and once in absentia when you were not able to be here because you were sick but you were just here in the background uh <laughs> showing up occasionally to distract me and tony if you record major jet lag <laughs> yeah um but i'm stoked you're here and we get to have this conversation because there's a new ghostbusters movie coming out we knew that for a long time but now there's so much better of a view of like what that is going to be like, what is, what are we actually going to see versus, Oh, it's a movie that happens and it has something to do with a firehouse. So what are your first reactions to the trailer? Like you're sitting there down watching the trailer. I guess I want to find out from each of you. What was your gut reaction? Like when you first got through the whole thing? Cause like, I think there's an easy way to go. What did you think when you first started it? And it's like, I got asked that question. I'm like, well, I wondered how, what was going to happen next? <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, What was your sort of initial reaction? You get through the first, the whole two minutes and what was your takeaway? Um, that you kind of reacted with. I guess we can kind of go around the room a little bit. Tony, do you want to go first or? Uh, sure. Well, me and Brendan actually got to watch it together. Uh, we knew that if one of us seen that it was officially out to stop and let the other one know, let's go and do it right. Sit down on the couch, put it on the TV, enjoy it, crank up the sound and watch it the right way. And uh, I think I was the one that saw it. It popped up on my phone. I saw the flash of the Statue of Liberty come up on Instagram. I'm like, oh, this is a real trailer. Hold on. Stop what you're doing. Drop it. Let's go to the TV. And we ran downstairs, <laughs> uh, turned it on. And honestly, as much as I love Cruel Summer as a song, when that song first came on, I was almost like, uh-oh, this might not be that great. But after about five seconds into the trailer, I was like, oh, this is really good. So it was way better than I expected. It showed a lot more, but not too much to spoil anything kind of 
you know, gave you a little taste of what what's to come without showing too much. So I was really impressed with the trailer. I was it was way better than I expected it was going to be. Yeah, I I think you're right about it being sort of showing you the right amount of stuff that mm-hmm. it left you. It gave us enough to know like that there's some sort of big bad that's going to be out there freezing the city. There's a threat that comes from you know afar, and it kind of gives us our characters and lets us see them, but it doesn't overplay its hand. I was reminded of the last trailer from Afterlife. Do y'all remember yeah. the last trailer from Afterlife that people were avoiding because it was like the one that showed Egon in the trailer and people were like, do not watch the last trailer for that movie if you want to go in not having spoilers. I think that this was a good balance that didn't kind of oversell it. Brendan, you were with Tony, so what'd you think? <laughs> well, I was predicting something similar to what we got with Afterlife with the, the barn and the, the Ecto and the barn. I envisioned a slow pan up of the city and it's slowly getting frozen with ice and then we get a title. But the yeah. first thing I noticed was the runtime, which was two minutes. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's more than a teaser. It's kind of like a full-blown trailer to me. Like, I'd be happy not to see any more and that's, that's plenty good. That's a really good trailer. But I, I guess it, the contrast between the Frozen Empire trailer and afterlife is it immediately just opens up and whereas afterlife felt like a very private personal family story you mm. immediately open up to the city new york city and you see statue of liberty mm-hmm. and kids on the beach and the cinematography is beautiful and it just immediately feels bigger and open and like a real blockbuster type movie yeah oh, i guess the, the, you see that the difference in between how afterlife was almost claustrophobic. It was so tight. And then you, you immediately mm-hmm. open up to the city and everything's going on there. I, I kind of agree. Like my take on the trailer when I saw it at first was that the scope of the movie felt so much larger. And I've said this in a few different places over the last like week that the stakes of the movie feel bigger than any Ghostbusters movie that I feel like I've seen before, even though all of them have to do with the end of the world, right? Like, all of them arguably end with like some horrible thing that happens to the entire planet. But the feeling of most Ghostbusters movies so like so far have been like there's a threat to a localized environment or a localized place, whether it's Spook Central, whether it's the museum like that, that threat will then spread out from that place. But in this case, like that opening in the city and sort of the threat coming to the city from afar at the sea made me feel like, wow, this is almost like the city is under attack as opposed to there's a manifestation within the city and it kind of changes the scope and the feel of that, you know, there's a um, sense of real so, danger going through those spikes that protrude out of the ground. Like, yeah, it's not like you get possessed by a ghost and you might turn into a dog and you might come out of it <laughs> a little bit brain damaged, but <laughs> otherwise you're okay. Like if you get right. impaled by one of these spikes, you you've got a slim chance of survival. Right. You're basically like a frozen shish kebab and, and we decide whether, you know, that's it. That would be the end of you. So um, and the gravitas that I think that I took away from it, too, was like Dan Aykroyd sort of talking about the death chill. Right? It's kind of yeah, like very dramatic. So, Jason, what do you think? I know you've you know, I know you've had a chance to put out some video content and talk about the trailer a bit. Um, what do you think? I mean, uh, that that morning I was pretty much running around on left and right, uh, you know, doing reaction video, trying to write articles, all that. So it, it took me a few t- minutes to really kind of sit down and kind of think about it, kind of take it all in and everything, even though I did do a reaction video for it. Um, 
I think what surprised me the most was the fact that, uh, and I, I, it really shouldn't have, but uh, it did not have that emotional punch that Afterlife had. Um, you know, you, we were waiting all those years for that. And this, uh, as you guys were saying, I mean, it hits you right off the bat, like it's a different feel, it's a different vibe. And one of my biggest things when it came to, I, I know we've discussed it on previous podcasts, um, was I was really hoping that the new film, it would kind of take a modern day, almost like Marvel-esque vibe, but still retain that Ghostbusters. You know, kind of mm-hmm. blending the two together. Um, you bring in the more, I guess, common audience. You're not relying on the old school fans from the 80s and the 90s and such like that. Uh, you're definitely trying to attract you know, younger fans, which I'm sure they are, obviously, with like Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace. Um, but I feel like this movie, it really sets that tone up. And I mean, just out and about over the past couple of days, I've had like five people come up to me. I've been wearing a Ghostbuster shirt mm-hmm. and they said, hey, have you, you know, have you seen that trailer? It's awesome. Right. I had zero people say that to me with Afterlife. Yeah. Even though that trailer yeah. was great. Nobody was saying that. It yep. seems like everybody's talking about Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. And uh, yeah, when it comes to the trailer, uh, another big thing I love was, I mean, you guys mentioned it, the stakes being so high. Those people uh, on the pier, those people out on the beach, I mean, they're, they're dead, right? Like the vast majority. <laughs> um, you never had that in any Ghostbuster right. film. And also the fact, too, that the way it looks like it's being set up, the fact that, you know, they're, they're reopening um, Ghostbusters, you know, the company in New York City again. This is going to be the very first Ghostbusters, including Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters 2016, that we're not going to have a starting a business story like this is just going to be, bam, they're in New York City. This is the Ghostbusters. At least that's the the, like the concept, the idea that I get from it. Yeah, I I think that's the way I read it, too, is that like we're not going to get an origin story. At Mm -hmm. best, we may get a, hey, people are being trained kind of story like the Ghostbusters are operational. And that's why we see Winston and Peter, you know, in flight suits is because they're going to help to train the next generation. But even like the plot synopsis talking about an R and D lab that's kind of been uh, tossed around out there suggests that, Oh, you're up and running. Like you didn't just, you're not building a new R and D lab. You have a new, you have an R and D lab. It exists, right? You've already got things going on. And so I think you're right about that. Like, it's going to be interesting to see a movie where we don't have to see a a new origin uh, Mm -hmm. of Ghostbusters. Um, and Ghostbusters 2, like it doesn't have an origin story as much as it has a re origin story. It has a like, how did they get back into business? Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is different in that it doesn't have that either. It's got the they're up and running. Things are happening in the city vibe. And I like it. I'm, I'm really I'm really stoked. I have to be honest. I was going to be like 100 percent real. Maybe you all can weigh on in this because I think that we all love Ghostbusters. But I also think part of being a Ghostbusters fan is being a perpetual skeptic. Like that that is just that like you think about Ghostbusters. I mean, I even joked was talking with folks about this in terms of like, you know, the trailer coming out and then the red jackets showing up, which I know we've all we're going to talk about the red jackets because we have to. But like the red jackets have become such a thing within the community where people like, oh, my God, how do we get red jackets? And at the same time, I see people talking about the red jackets in the trailer. I'm also having conversations with people who are like, why does everyone need a red jacket? Why? And then there's people who are like, why did they buy $1,500 red jackets? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is part of the skepticism of the fandom. We have to sort of pull everything apart. So going into this, like, did you have any misgivings, like concerns? Like, I'll be honest. I, I was excited. There's a Ghostbusters movie coming out, but I was a little bit worried about whether or not that pivot back to New York would feel natural. Like whether it would just be like, Oh, now we have new Ghostbusters and it's a completely new team. 
I don't have that at this point. Like watching the trailer, I'm like, okay, we're we're good. Like everything seems good and transitional. Was there anything in the trailer for you all that um, kind of defied your expectations or that I or otherwise didn't live up to what you were expecting? And that if there wasn't, you can be like, no, it's great. But I'm just curious. Um, one area for me that I'm really happy to see, uh, at least again, from what I'm getting from the trailer is uh lucky i i feel like lucky is going to get like an actual proper role in this one i feel like she was very overlooked in yeah. afterlife like she really didn't get you know the i i didn't care about lucky and trevor um right they kind of framed that you know she's being saved out of the the, the terror dog carcass at the end and like i i had no emotional i i didn't sure. care i just did not care look at paul rudd not her that's how i felt uh so i'm quite <laughs> happy to actually see that it seems like she's going to get her time. And also at the same time too, like I've seen some people like really complain like, Oh, why would lucky be in it? Like the Spanglers are going to New York. Why lucky? Why podcast? I mean, we don't know the details yet, but obviously lucky her dad. I mean, she's a free spirit in the afterlife. She even set it up where she's just like, you know, she pretty much wants out of that town, right? It's in there mm-hmm. and podcast summer intern at raise a cult. That's all you need. Spirits unleashed. Just they can tie it together. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think that makes a lot of sense. I didn't really know what they were going to do with how do you bring those characters in who weren't necessarily part of the Spangler family and to sort of see Lucky in the trailer with a more definitive uh, role. And I think I agree with you. Like, I I don't mean to say that in a passing way that's like rude, but like, I also didn't really care about the teenage romance in the last movie it's kind of <laughs> I, I had bigger fish to fry like there's ghost egon and also i've been waiting 37 years to see these guys again so this little piece over here just doesn't matter to me you know and so yeah, see and it, the, you know that development is better i think we'll see i but. i don't think it's we're out of touch or anything like that like i mean i can watch stranger things like that for a season and my like heart breaks for 11 and the kids and you know relationships that aren't budding properly and such like that uh sure. so it can certainly be done with this you know, paranormal or uh, otherworldly threat again in Stranger Things. Um, I just, yeah, again, I just really wasn't a huge fan of that dynamic in Afterlife. So I'm really hoping that they continue that. And uh, I'm sure they'll introduce more things to kind of complicate it and everything. But yeah, I'm just, I'm pumped to kind of see that kind of continue. Yeah, that's great. That's cool. I'm, and I agree. Like, I think it's going to be fun to sort of see how those characters that we, like, we don't know any of these characters any better than Afterlife, but we know the legacy of at least two of those kids that we can connect back to. And so it's going to be kind of interesting to see what kind of additional character development we get out of podcast and lucky to kind of go along with the folks we know and these new characters we're going to see, too. So, um, Tony, anything that kind of was there that kind of defied your expectations or that fulfilled yeah. your expectations in a way? Yeah, I was shocked that they showed like Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd's characters in full gear, light suits. I think that was I wasn't expecting to see that. Like, I really I like when Paul Rudd was announced to be an afterlife i was like yes he's gonna be a ghostbuster and then it didn't really happen in afterlife or anything like that so i was excited that they actually showed that in the trailer um and are we gonna learn podcast name in this movie or <laughs> is that just gonna I hope be so. <laughs> i mean but, i figure they 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 will i mean i would I, again this is just you know if spirits unleash their whole thing where they were talking about, oh, podcast. I mean, they don't even say podcast, but Ray's just saying summer intern or, you know, winter intern, whatever it was. Um, I think it'd be hilarious if if it comes about because of that, because obviously there has to be documents signed. There has to be you know, so a thing from the school uh, and maybe have it where, <laughs> you know, Dan does the re- reveal by accident, just calls him by his first name. 
That is so funny because I'm not kidding you. Like my thought of how they could reveal his name, that would be a perfect shot would be if he was filling out much like Trevor filled out a job application in the last movie. If podcast was <laughs> filling out his internship application, mm-hmm. like sitting, like writing it out and he writes out his full name and like one of the other kids looks over and goes, who's that? And he's like, that's my real name. Like that to me would have been, I'm like, I want to see that. And then you kind of just touched on it out of just nowhere. So that's kind of funny. We have a very <laughs> similar view on how you could do that reveal. Um, but yeah, I hope we find out his name. I want to know more about who podcast is. And I think that, you know, seeing, seeing the kids like a little older in the trailer for me was kind of fun. Like I was just like, it's so they, yeah. they're growing up. It's weird. Like they, we saw them as like 12 and 13 year olds before. And now they're like, you know, on the cusp of becoming adults, you know, and well, I mean, it's two kind of them you don't really you, you can't call kids at this point. And like right. the other two next sequel, if they're still with it, I mean, they're 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 not kids. Right. They're adults. So. I mean, like they are mm-hmm. just flat out. They're grownups. So it's kind of kind of kind of fun to watch our characters grow through adolescence in a way that we didn't get to do that with, you know, the original Ghostbusters because they were they, they were people. They were adult. That doesn't that sounds terrible. Teenagers are not people, everyone. Uh, but they were, <laughs> you know, they were adults. They we don't get to see their development. And the only way we might get to ever is if Dan Aykroyd somehow gets his Ghostbusters high school idea uh, approved, which God help us. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Brendan, how about you? Uh, anything in the trailer that kind of was defied your expectations or really fulfilled them in a way that you didn't expect? The whole thing. I didn't, I literally expected a few seconds in the, the title given to us. And we got so much. We got new gear. We got to see the original OGs in costume. Like, looks like they're getting approached by something like, Murray's face looks like something terrible is about to happen. He's he's unsure about his safety. Um, we got to see a, a glimpse of the big bad, yeah, with glowing eyes, which I fucking love. <laughs> so I think the glowing eyes just make the ghost seem so much scarier, which was kind of lacking in Afterlife. You had Muncher, he had black eyes, and then I think um, Goza initially. The the special effects guy Arjun is that his name? Yeah, Aryan. Yeah, he originally had the red eyes on Goza, but they blacked them out. But um, right, I just I love the glowing eyes of the ghost. It seems very Ghostbusters to me. Um, there was some shots, a couple of shots here and there, like uh, the cabbie where he's looking up into the into the storm and his hat flies off his head. That's so original Ghostbusters. That cabbie though, with the the hat blown off, looks just like the hot dog vendor from. Ghostbusters one when Slimer comes out of the cart eating the hot dogs yeah. and his hat, hat yeah. blows away mm-hmm. and it was it was great. It is an interesting callback. Um, I I think that that's a really fun still. Like when you look at that as a still image, it it screams Ghostbusters in an odd way in the same way that many of the other like small character actor parts that we have grown to love over the years does. You know, it's kind of like that's the cabbie guy. Oh, look, it's the guy who's, you know, that nice shirt friend or I like that shirt friend guy. It's like (laughs) we have all these little characters over the course of Ghostbusters. And I feel like by the end of that movie, somehow that cabbie is going to be one of those people. He may only get that much screen time in the entire movie, but he'll end up being like on a panel or doing autograph signings because he's the cabbie guy who was looking up in Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. He's the new roller granny. Yeah, well, he has to have lines to be roller (laughs) granny. That's to be fair. like. Roller Granny has an established, you know, line. It's it's very short, but <laughs> <laughs> nope. Dirt Farmer had a family. Nope. <laughs> That's basically the entire <laughs> performance. But 
Um, but it's great and it's iconic and it sticks around. And that's what I think is interesting about Ghostbusters and cinematography is sort of like the iconic feel of Ghostbusters that's still there in that trailer in terms of how things are shot. Like you've got Eric Steelberg is back, I believe, like doing director of photography work again. So there's some yep. consistency to afterlife. But there's also just sort of consistency to like the way the series as a whole feels. And I'm not I don't want to like I want to see what you, what you all thought about this. But I thought what was interesting about the trailer was that I felt like it merged the sense of a Ghostbusters movie and its aesthetics alongside like a summer New York blockbuster movie in the way that it opens. And I couldn't put my finger on what it was that it was reminding me of until Craig Goldberg said it when we were talking the other night. And he said that it, he used another example of another film that had a similar summertime trailer with a with music that opened it up in the same way. And he said, die hard with a vengeance. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> yes. Like the, the way that New York City feels and the mo- like the the sneakers hanging over the power lines and the fire hydrants open in the street like and in that trailer, it's hot time summer in the city that sort of like sets the whole thing off. But I went, oh, it's so like, that's what it was. I was trying to figure out what brought me back as a New Yorker to that sense and feel. And I think that like, I, you know, I don't feel like I'm babbling about this, but like, I don't know as much as short that's, that's a two minute trailer. I don't know that I have felt that New York about a movie like a Ghostbusters movie since the first one. Like, yes, the Statue of Liberty is in the second movie. Right. And it happens in New York City. But I don't ever see New York as being as big of a character in Ghostbusters 2 even though the Statue of Liberty is in it. Whereas like the first movie very definitively feels like a New York movie to me. I, so I just wondered, like, what did you all think? Like, did, did did you feel that the trailer had a different aesthetic than what we're used to? I think it was a more modern aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I guess you'd say like this, the, some of the shots are like beautiful. Like even just the, the shot of the Ferris wheel, like the gear as it's slowing down, like it's shot beautifully, like the sun's like behind it and it's reflecting off of the gear. Like it did have like more of an updated feel, but in a very, very positive way, like it wasn't too different or too off putting. Like it still feels in the same universe, but maybe a little bit more of an updated version of that. So I, I thought like a lot of the shots were, where it's like, like the gear one, it's something very simple, but you can tell they put a lot of thought into it and a lot of effort went into it. And, it's just it's I hope it's as afterlife was a beautiful film too, like the colors and all that too. So it feels like they're carrying that yeah. out into this as well. So that visual of looking through the grid of the first wheel cage and you can see the storm out into the distance, that'd be absolutely terrifying. Like the yeah. such little attentions to detail, like when the storm's rolling over, you see a little uh lightning strike. Is it hit, hitting the Empire State building there? Yeah. I'm not sure which building it hits, but yeah. It's got a real, like, like Independence Day type of feel, Deep Impact, look, those type of movies. It's got a, a blockbuster feel about it, for sure. Yeah, things that we've, we really haven't seen, like, in the, uh, you know, in the franchise. Uh, I mean, one shot that really sticks out to me, uh, actually kind of going back to, going back to Lucky there, um, is that shot of her, what it looks like in, like, a lab, and yeah. her turning around, and, like, just the... I've never seen a shot like that in a Ghostbusters movie, you know, like it, it almost looks like it came out of a, I don't know, like a, like a, like a Marvel Spider-Man or something along those lines. But again, here, they, I, I think they found a really nice balance and like it fits. I wonder if you would agree or like, if you, you can feel free to agree or disagree with this statement, but I feel like 
Afterlife was almost like a love letter to an 80s Amblin movie, right? Like sort of the 80s childhood movies that were like E.T. and stuff. Or obviously Goonies is not an Amblin movie, right? But like there's a sense of like the old 80s kid movies to Afterlife. And it makes a lot of sense because it's a confined story that happens in a small locale involving Mm -hmm. a series of kids. And in contrast to that, when I watched the trailer a few times, and then after I had this conversation where we kind of talked about Die Hard for a second, I started feeling like maybe this movie's aesthetic to me came across like a 90s summer blockbuster movie. Like, whereas the previous movie was kind of like an 80s summer kid movie, this one comes across more to me like a 90s blockbuster movie. And I'm not like, and that's by no means negative. Like some people are like, well, my God, 90s movies. Like, no, I mean, like there, this is part of what's back in like our culture and pop culture is like all retro stuff, right? And 90s stuff is trending. And it just it made me wonder, like, is that trailer in some way um, inspired or, you know, maybe it doesn't reflect the larger movie, but is it kind of inspired or kind of is to bring us to that 90s summer blockbuster sense of a film, even though the movie's going to come out in March? Like it's coming out in spring. It's not going to be a summer movie, arguably. But I don't know. Does anybody else get that vibe of like a summer blockbuster from the 90s? Yeah, big time. Yeah. And all the best ways, too. <laughs> it's that 1998 Ghostbusters that we never got. Yeah. I promised countless <laughs> yeah. times by Dan Aykroyd on in interviews. Um, no, I totally agree. And I mean, that was uh, I, I like the comparison there with Afterlife and uh, and Goonies. I mean, that was one thing. You know, Kevin Smith kind of talked about many, many times was, you know, uh, Jason Reitman, not only did he make a Goonies movie, but he made a an effing good Goonies movie, I think was the line. Right. Um, and yeah, like he he hit that out of the park. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just giddy, mainly because I think this is going to prove that Ghostbusters, it can be done in different ways. It can be done in different, you know, it, it doesn't have to follow that same formula. And with Sony Pictures, Ghost Core, Columbia, like they they want to have so many different projects on the go. There's this, there's talks of the, the Netflix series, another uh, feature, but it's animated. Uh, the fact that, you know, if this hits it well, and I mean, afterlife did well too, considering pandemic when it was released and everything. Um, I think they're definitely gonna be a lot more open to trying different projects, new projects, venturing out a little bit more. So, um, maybe we'll get that, you know, Dan Aykroyd, high school Ghostbusters prequel he's been yapping about for years. (laughs) But um, no, I'm just I'm just really excited. I'm really hoping. I mean, as someone who um, who who covers this stuff on the back end, I can tell you right now, I have never seen interest like it has been over the past couple days. Yeah, it has been insane. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a massive, massive release. Um, I have no idea. I don't think they've said what they've spent yet on it. I mean, film wise, I mean, it looks like they spent a ton, like a ton Sony's had to have a lot of assurance in this thing to build the whole set in London and everything, but right at least from the back end right now, it looks like this thing is going to be a massive hit. I mean, even like I think the official Ghostbusters YouTube channel, it's already the most viewed thing on their YouTube channel, 12 million views. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. I think that you're right about the sort of back end awareness. I can remember when Afterlife came out. To be fair, the context of the Afterlife trailers was a little bit different because like that was kind of during the pandemic. So we probably weren't quite out as much talking to people on the street about things, but I didn't have in a Ghostbusters t-shirt at the grocery store, lots of conversations about the afterlife trailer, right? It would be like Mm -hmm. somebody would say, Oh, Ghostbusters, you like that? And you go, yeah. Do you know there's a new movie coming out? And you would initiate 
that conversation, maybe with a clerk at the grocery store or with somebody, one of your friends, whatever. But um, I think that in the last week alone, I have had at least five or six different interactions with just random mm-hmm. people who just, oh, you're wearing a Ghostbusters shirt because I basically am every day. And did you know there was a trailer? Have you seen the trailer? One of my students walked into my class and said, I haven't watched the trailer myself, but did it look good? Should I watch it? And I was like, <laughs> yes, you should totally go watch the trailer. It takes two minutes. But yeah, no, I think you're kind of right about this. I think that I don't know if it's because of when it's being marketed, how it's being marketed, that the trailer is getting such uptake. And maybe it's that there's not as much uh, in competition that's being shown because we have such a sort of dearth of stuff that's going to come out now in Q1 to compete with this movie, arguably. But uh, yeah, like we're what? Not even a week into being out from when this trailer was dropped. And it's something that I'm having conversations outside of, you know, my deep circle of Ghostbuster friends. So I think you're right about that. We'll see. But just so you know, I commonly uh, hang out at the Walmart high C aisle <laughs> and I just wait for people to come to me and they're like, hey, I'm getting the orange. I'm like, you know, that's good. But you know what would be better? Acto cooler. <laughs> you know, what? that was a tie into Ghostbusters. And that, that's pretty much my day. You have a booth like you got a little yeah, like yeah. change my mind table, except it's <laughs> change your flavor. <laughs> yep, that's what I do. <laughs> I, I feel like with um, with Afterlife, we kind of got past a. Uh, something that we've all been waiting for for years upon years upon years, mm-hmm. you know, like it, 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 it kind of closed that chapter, even though it continues the story. And to me right now, this is going to be a great entry level for that new fan um especially for the younger fan that the, you know that likes the finn wolfhard that likes the uh uh mckenna grace and everything paul rudd i mean even though paul rudd's a an old man by age standards but uh you know he looks he looks wonderful um <laughs> yeah I just, I just feel like this is going to be a great entry point for a lot of people and the fact that it looks like you know you can jump into this one and of course you know if you know who winston and ray and peter are that's going to benefit you to no end but it, it just looks like this is going to be very contained, like an episode of the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, too, if the popularity of this trailer kind of taking off really quickly has a lot to do with the fact that it's the first teaser for the movie and it features those principal actors that you just talked about. Like, what, think about the, the original Afterlife teaser trailer mm-hmm. was like the star of it was a car. <laughs> like we didn't know who was in the movie yet. You didn't really know much else about it. Right. And so um, in this context, you instead have like, and I don't really like think about the afterlife trailers that came after that. I'm trying to think about whether or not it really illustrated a threat that was compelling to people who were outside of the fandom because it was more mm-hmm. about talking about something we already knew about being Gozer. Whereas this is like, Oh, there's an attack on New York city. And it does give that sense of, like the Marvels kind of, you know, not the Marvels, not as in like that specific movie, but like Marvel and DC movies and other blockbuster films that illustrate like a big threat to a city as opposed to, oh, we're kind of making calls back to a villain you've heard of before. And so, um, yeah, I think you're kind of right about a lot of this, Jason. I think that your analysis of sort of how this is going to be appealing to people who this is their entry point to the franchise may actually make more sense to them as an entry point than the last movie did. That was kind of like an exit point on a previous phase of Ghostbusters in some ways. Yeah. Afterlife felt like, felt like a movie kind of made for people like us who were waiting 
for decades for an official third Ghostbusters film. Yeah. And having wished for that. And that's all that was on our minds for all those years. Like Ghostbusters three, come on, Ghostbusters three. Well, now there was a movie kind of made very emotionally and like geared directly towards like the hardcore fans. It seems like they, they really wrote a nice, nice uh, love letter to the fans with that one. And now like a fourth one, like I don't even, my brain doesn't even know what to think. Like I've all I've ever dreamt about is getting a third Ghostbusters movie. Well, we actually got that. And now we're moving forward. I think it's a really good opportunity to start fresh and to take Ghostbusters wherever it can go and do something new and exciting. And this, this feels like they're really doing that too. So yeah, I agree. This is a good question to consider for a minute. What new thing that's kind of been hinted either that's been hinted at in the trailer or that you kind of just hope happens because you've now got more context about this movie. What's something you hope to see in the new movie coming up? Like now that you have a better view of like, what is the story? What's going to happen? What's maybe something that the trailer inspired you to like be hopeful about? And I'll tell you mine is goofy. Okay. Mine is dumb. I'm going to tell you right off the bat. I really want a Ghostbusters hockey sequence. Like, I know that sounds stupid, <laughs> but I need like hockey ghosts. Like, I would be totally fine if they are like at Madison Square Garden and they have to do a bust because the garden has ice spikes coming through the floor <laughs> and the Rangers like are all fleeing the place. And there's some sort of like, you know, hockey hooligan ghosts who are on the ice. <laughs> so they have to bust. It would make my freaking day. Um, And Very... I, I really want that. I don't think I'm going to get it. And, but it would be like the best hockey sequence in an action movie since. Batman, Batman and, Robin, and Robin, which has a lot to apologize <laughs> for, right? <laughs> I'm really intrigued about the library. Are we going to see the library lady make a reappearance? They had the um, the lions come to life there. Yeah. And I was wondering whether that, you know, who, there's the little white bit of ghostly smoke that goes into the door, into the door crack. Is that right. unfinished CGI? Is that pink, actually? Is it? really going to be pink when we see it or I don't know. So the library lady could be a possibility and that they never did bust her. So mm-hmm. let's see what happens there. That's true. We we've never seen her busted in the canon of the movies we have in the canon of the video game. Uh, but you know, look, <laughs> let's not open a can of worms about whether or not the video game's canon. Uh, but like, I think that you're right. That would be a cool thing is if that sequence going back to the music to, to the uh, library would involve sort of resolving the case of the gray lady. Right. And that's kind of what would bring them down. I was thinking about this last night that they're inside of some sort of, uh, freight elevator that goes like when Patton Oswald, Mm -hmm. you see him and you see, uh, Phoebe and you see Trevor and they're all getting into this freight elevator together. And to me, I read that as the freight level elevator inside of the library. That's going to go all the way down to like the deep archives. And so I'm not saying the video game is canon, but much like the extended universe novels of Star Wars are not canon, but they still now borrow things from them for the movies. It would make some sense to me if they ended up going back to the old archives and finding out that the reason she was manifesting was because of something in the basement would be really interesting. But it would also be something that didn't necessarily matter to a group of newcomer fans. They could just like, oh, there's no real connection there for them, but they don't have to have it in order to get the story. So. Um, I think that's a good one, Brendan. I would love to see that. Um, I, I hope we see it. But again, and I hope she's playing hockey. That's my biggest. <laughs> <thing. She's- laughs> 
Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. Which team? <laughs> Did you say which team? Which team? Oh, well, she can't play in the Rangers. You know, I mean, they don't take ghosts on the team. That's not going to work. She'll have to play for somebody. If she plays on a team, she'll play for some like no longer existing hockey team like the Hartford Whalers. Some dead hockey team that no longer exists. <laughs> but Tony, what were you going to say? Uh, we were talking about me and Brendan were talking about possibly since there's a lot of a lot of library focus in the trailer and you see the lions and everything that potentially seeing the library ghost again. But I I don't know if they really need to like focus on her as part of like a big story thing and do all that. I would be happy as cool as that would be to see. But I think as just as far as they do go down to the sub basement or whatever, like you were saying, Jim and. And they're just walking down corridors and you can see down dark hallways and rows of books and everything. And like you see Dan Aykroyd's down there and just see stops for a second. It's like maybe gets like a little chill and you just see her go past in the background. And someone's like, what was that? And he goes, don't worry about it. And like they just keep going. Just some sort of little (laughs) something in the background, like something really scary looking just breezes past. Or I think just a, a small callback would be I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I think I, a, a small callback could work. I'll admit that I would like to see one that just ties into the story a little bit better because I am a fan of when narratives kind of create glue back to old stories that you can get. You don't have to have them, but they were they pay off for long term fans. And my analogy for this is often like uh, Star Trek. Like if you look at how Star Trek has done this, it has sort of built uh, you know, like the next generation episodes exist and the DS nine episodes exist, but something will happen in the, in them that will reference back to an original series episode. And if you're a deep, like long-term fan, you can see the connection between these things in the story and it pays off for you. But if you're not, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's not something that is going to influence your understanding of the story, or if it doesn't pay off for you in that way where it's going to devalue the story itself. So I would I hope we get to see something a little more than just like, oh, it's in the background, because um, I feel like what I want more from this movie and like, feel free to disagree about this. Afterlife was my Easter egg movie. Afterlife was like told but like before I watched it, even I was told, like, there's going to be lots of Easter eggs. Be sure you look for the orange thing. Right. Like it was like, go look for the stuff that we put in this movie. We put lots of Easter eggs in there for you. And so this time around, I'm like, I don't need Easter eggs so much as I want smart uh integrations of things into the plot that would be payoff for me as a deep level fan but if they don't pay off for somebody else they don't sully the story in any way that makes like sense. a slime blower yeah but like it but that slime blower actually being like utilized in the movie as yeah. like an actual busting thing as opposed to just like oh look the slime blowers in the background of this video game basement isn't that cute <laughs> Right. Like, cause that's one of the things that we see all the time is like, even the Ghostbusters video game from 2009, go in the back of the firehouse and there's the two sign. It's back yeah. there. And you're like, great. There's an Easter egg there for me. Right. But I, I kind of want something that integrates a little better, if that makes sense. So Jason, I, do you have something you want to add to this? Uh, well, sure. Okay. Um, I mean, I was a sick, twisted little child. Uh, whenever I watched real Ghostbusters or, you know, later extreme Ghostbusters, one of my biggest pet peeves was when the big bust would happen and they would catch the ghost at the end, everything would return to normal. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I, extreme Ghostbusters in particular, I remember the one ghost that like it removed people's eyes and then they <laughs> busted the ghost and all the eyes flew back into the people's heads. And I was like, no, 
those people should be blind now. <laughs> this is this is where we're at. <laughs> you know, like don't don't fix this. This is this is the story, and don't don't change it. Um, so what I'm gonna say probably is gonna be a little maybe a little controversial. Um, but I feel like when it comes to what I want to see in the new movie, and I think it's it's obvious for what they're doing when you look at the casting, you see all these new like you see uh, James Acaster wearing the um, uh, the jacket that has his name tag. Obviously, like he's got to be connected to this lab. You've got um, oh, what's the Kumail Nanjiani, who I don't know his role. We don't know his role. Right. Uh, who how he's getting in the film? Like there's so many new Patton Oswalt, so many new talent that's coming in here. I feel like not only are they expanding the cast, but they're going to be replacing and they're building up fodder because if you're going to make a movie that feels this big, that feels this dangerous, you know, the threat, uh, not everybody is going to make it out alive and you're going to need people from frozen empire to be in the next film, obviously. And I'm not saying that, you know, don't make it Friday the 13th. And I I only want Phoebe to walk out alive. Uh, (laughs) but I feel like, um, if, and I'm not saying I want this, but if Peter Venkman pa- like passes in this or, you know, Winston Zeddemore or, you know, race dance or one of the new ca- characters like James doesn't make it through or what have you, um, it would not surprise me. And to be honest, I, I wouldn't. If it if it's connected to the plot, like obviously it's connected to the plot, but if it's done well, I would not mind if an original OG kicks it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that will fuel the next film. Like, I and I know I'm like, oh, you know, I want new people. I need to build the new audience, whatever. But that will be such an emotional heartstring. And I, I feel like if you were to do that to, let's say, like a Bill Murray, even right. if you have never watched the first Ghostbusters, even if this is your entry point, you know Bill Murray, and Bill Murray dying in a film, you know, as Peter Venkman, or I'm not telling them to kill Peter, you know, Bill Murray in a movie, <laughs> um, but if they kill Peter Venkman. Uh, like that'll be big. That'll be that'll be huge. Yeah, it would um, it would be foundationally rocking to like the yeah to the fan, yeah. to the fandom and to the narrative. But it would also like really illustrate far deeper stakes to these stories. I think than like we've had in the past, and it fits with kind of like like I I don't think you're wrong when you say like there's got to be a lot of this. Was where I joke about it and I laughed about it at the beginning because it's like an awkward thing. I don't think you're wrong when you're like, there's got to be some dead people from this attack on the beach, right? It's like, yeah, I was yeah. suggesting even yesterday that like, there's got to be a lot of dead sea life. There's got to be a bunch of octopi like or something off <laughs> hanging off of like shards of ice outside the beach because of all the spikes that have come through. So I think, you know, if we, we see a ghostbuster who goes and passes away, you know, I think it would fit. It would add some stakes to it. I'm not, I don't want to be like, let's kill off all the Ghostbusters and that's it. This is how we get to the next phase. We just wipe them all out. But, you know, it's kind of like a Tony Stark moment. I'd be worried that we might have a like a Last Jedi thing happen. Like you might divide the the fan base. If yeah. It, if an OG died maybe in the third film, would probably be a safer play. But like as... The original GB fan base, you wait 40 years for him to finally have a bigger role in a movie, and the first thing you do is kill him. Just like Luke Skywalker. We finally get him after all this time. The first thing we're going to do is kill him. <laughs> so, and then, like, the whole fan base just shut down. So I'd well, be what if, very what cautious if you're Luke Skywalker, about What if your Luke Skywalker doesn't want to be there? <laughs> <clears throat> well, yeah, we all know Bill is being the standoff but yeah some of us would be more forgiving than others i think so 
I think some of us would be because we know like sort of that Bill has said for years that he would be happy with them killing him and making his character a ghost. <laughs> right. So it's like some of us are like, well, we know he wants to have his character killed off at this point on screen. Which always sounds horrible to me. Like, I don't want to see <laughs> him as a ghost. That said, though, if they kill, if they were to kill off Winston or Ray, I would be picketing because like you're, you're not going to kill Winston. And like, no, don't don't kill Dan. Don't. No. You can't like that would that would be all, like if you this is the deal like if you were to kill off race dance that would be the <laughs> most like just darkest thing I mean and I mean it could totally happen in this movie uh, to be real like they could decide to go that route but, like that's literally attacking the heart of the Ghostbusters like that's just like the most heartwarming part of it and I think that's for real why the trailer seems like it has such stakes because when you listen to the way that you know Dan Aykroyd is delivering those lines he just sounds so grim. It's just it's it's the death chill, right? It just he sounds like he's legitimately like, oh, this is the weirdest shit we've ever seen. And it's the worst thing possible. And it's not, you know, being worried about a hundred foot marshmallow man and that same level of kind of, uh, you know, fun to it. So that doesn't mean it's going to be a dark horror movie. I don't think it's going to be super, super dark. But, you know, I think that there is going to be potential stakes of maybe somebody dies. We're getting we're going to get to a question quicker than I wanted to, but that's okay. Um, cause I wanted to ask you, and we're kind of in this vein of talking about it. What do you think could happen in this movie? Like other than say a ghostbuster getting killed based off the trailer you saw that could fundamentally change ghostbusting as we know it. Like there's some hints there to me that like begin to tell us about a new narrative world. Kumail Nanjiani has said in the past that like ghostbusters was going in a different direction and that he thought it was good. Ernie Hudson said it was going in a different direction and he wasn't sure if he was okay with it in a particular interview. Um, but what did your, was your takeaway? Do you get the sense that um, there are things there that are going to tell us about the new narrative world that we're going into or narrative changes? I would think international or at least, you know, across the U S because like, it, it's so weird to think that these paranormal happenings are isolated to just where proton packs are randomly you know yeah. like yeah it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of like at one point maybe you put some research in maybe you are the problem maybe there's something attached to you that you know that's, that's causing this <laughs> uh but yeah I, I would think there has to be something um on a worldwide basis them expanding the business franchising uh something along those lines i think that'll that'll come about especially if they've got like a whole test facility and like a lab and everything like right do yeah. that just for one New York facility. I mean, who knows? Maybe even in this film, they'll already have a couple areas locations set up somewhere. That's true. Like we could find out that there's already one in San Francisco and that the Ghostbusters VR is canon. I'm just trying to make other things canon today for fun. Maybe in Australia. <laughs> see, it's a podcast, so nobody can see that you just put on that crocodile dundee looking hat while you said that. <laughs> that was his Halloween costume. That's great. <laughs> but I agree with Jason, but I think and judging from uh, what we've seen in the trailer a little bit, I think it might be like moving on from the firehouse. It looks like it's mm -hmm. going to be receiving a lot of damage. And yeah. with having already set up like these, this new uh, experimental research lab and stuff, like we might be having different headquarters and expanding out. And so it might be a, a farewell to the firehouse in this one, I think, potentially. I agree with you. Uh, I actually have been saying for a while that I would be okay with them 
replacing Ecto-1. I think you've all heard me say this at different points. Yeah. And saying that like, <laughs> hey, it's probably time to figure out how you not be having a 59 millimeter. And instead they were like, nah, we're going to figure out how to fix the 59 millimeter and make it awesome and put a Corvette engine in it. And I was like, okay, I, I can't really dispute that. But instead of blowing up the Batmobile, right, or blowing up the Enterprise, we're going to blow up Starfleet headquarters. We're going to blow up the Batcave, right? And so that is kind of how it feels to me that, yeah, the firehouse looks like it's going to take a beating. Uh, there's going to be a threat that happens straight up in it. To be fair, its roof has been blown off by p- psychokinetic energy before <laughs> and somebody put it back together. So and somehow that didn't ruin every floor between. I don't I don't know how that works, by the way. I'm not really sure how it is that the containment <laughs> unit blew up and that there was a giant burst of energy that went through the roof that we saw. But somehow all the floors were still there. I don't get it, but I don't question it. But, but I could totally see in this case, you know, foundational structural damage being done from like the found like literally through the foundation of the of the building. Right. There's giant spikes coming up and shooting through walls and things. And so um, I think you may be right about that. I think that this may be the last movie we see take place in the firehouse. Uh, and that to me could be a potentially like more than almost, I think, than maybe Venkman dying would be yeah. a thing that would really take some people in the fandom and have them go, you just can't do that, you know, but <laughs> you're just not allowed to do that. You blew up the firehouse. I will never forgive you. You ruined my franchise. And if you're out there thinking that right now, calm down. It's going to be okay. Um, they can just rebuild a new firehouse somewhere else and it'll look exactly like it was. They did it to make this movie. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. What else? Anything else you think is going to change about Ghostbusting based off this trailer? Or about the movie that's about to come? New uniforms. Yeah. Potentially. New jackets, apparently. Um, <laughs> can we talk yeah, about the toys? Co- can we talk ben about jackets, jackets for a minute? I need to talk about this and get it off my chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Jason, you covered the jackets on Ghostbusters News. I keep they're more Nicely like I covered the jackets, yes. Nicely. I, I spun it in a nice way. Yes. You did. Are you suggesting not I'm not going to? Not the fact my phone kept me up to like 5 a.m. in the morning and people, it just kept going off. <laughs> Jackets. Ja- have you seen the jacket? They're 1500 How? Why am I expected to buy? Fi- How can I pay $1,500 for a jacket? Don't buy the damn thing. <laughs> I had very similar interactions with some folks who were like, how am I supposed to afford this for cosplay? You're and my reaction to, to that was... You're not supposed to. That's like that's an insane. Like, I'm just going to say this now. okay? that flight suit or that jacket is designed because you are like going to go work at the South Pole as one of a dozen Antarctic researchers. Like That's what you wear that coat for. Okay, which should give us an indication, by the way, of just how cold it must be in the firehouse during this battle. Like, this is how bad the death chill is, is it'll freeze you just like Antarctica, but faster. So that's what that coat is for. So if you were to wear that with a flight suit in the average world off at a convention, that is basically sweaty. That's a recipe for heat stroke. Like that is what that is, essentially. So anybody who's out there going, I got to go get the authentic $1,500 coat. Let me just be like officially on the record and saying, no, you don't. And you shouldn't. It's a bad idea. That being said, I, I do believe that, Jason, you, you were going to report on this, that Magnolia Clothiers has already begun making a well, jacket. <laughs> well, let me also just add of right course. here that um, I am in no way 
Uh, I know you just you you recommended people not to buy it. I'm in no position to tell people what to do and not to do with their money. Um, <laughs> I I've I've got a room, and I mean I'm looking at uh, you know Tony in the background there, his uh, containment unit and and everything. Um, you know I don't think him and I are, and you know, I'm I'm looking at all backgrounds. Everybody has stuff in the background. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I just I just feel like that. People can do whatever they want with their own money. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not going to talk smack about anyone if, if they get a pat or if they get a they buy one of these jackets. I mean, hey, you know what? If uh, no, nah, I was about to say if I walked into a store and I saw that exact jacket, I'd buy it. No, I wouldn't. But um, <laughs> if you feel that you need this jacket, you get this jacket. I'm not going to judge you. With that said, though, as you just stated, Magnolia Clothers um great company they've done the uh what do they call them the the paranormal jumpsuits yeah they're doing this jacket uh the et the expected price point uh they said they want to maybe do it around 300 dollars, and this is going to be a very close replica to that actual what is it the saber tooth it's called that's the the style of jacket yeah Um, however it's going to have all the modifications that sony pictures they did to it so it's going to look just like the one they use in frozen empire apparently to uh, there's talk about them offering two different jackets. So there'll be one that will actually be like insulated. So if you want to wear it out in the cold, you can. And there'll be another one that'll be cosplay ready. So you can wear it and it's not going to be, you know, crazy hot or anything like that. So uh, if I had to choose one, which I mean, I'll probably, in all honesty, 15, actually I'm in Canada. So that one jacket's like $1,700 up here. Um, I would never buy it, but <laughs> Magnolia Clothers, their $300 one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all over that. Yeah. This is like hilarious to me, though, that we've made it all of four days between when a trailer came out and then <laughs> Magnolia going, hey, we may make this. And what was the dumbest part about it to me was that I made a joke the day after the trailer coming out saying, watch, Magnolia Clothiers is totally going to make this jacket because it's cost like seventeen hundred dollars. And then by the time we got to the weekend, <laughs> it was like Magnolia was advertising. I got a prototype design for the jacket. It's just yeah. like. Oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, that jacket's not the only thing we're seeing new though. Um, you know, we talked about technology that's a little different. Um, let's talk about that for a couple minutes. What are your thoughts on some of the new tech reveals that we saw? I mean, there's nothing too heavy there of like brand new tech, but there's certainly some changes to pieces of equipment we've seen before. Um, some suggestions that maybe there's Um, I think that folks have suggested there might be like a wrist blaster or something, because in one of the shots, you do see them squaring off with the doors of the firehouse. But uh, one of the Ghostbusters is not wearing a proton pack, but appears to be holding out some other item um, to attack with. So what what were your takeaways uh, in terms of the technology we saw or the changes to the tech that we saw from the trailer? I kind of hope that it seems like they they're not so much. Like they they modified it specifically for this villain, kind of like a real Ghostbusters episode. Almost every real Ghostbusters episode, Egon's getting a screwdriver out and modifying the proton pack to do something specific for that ghost. And yeah, that's kind of like what it feels like to me. Like these are modified proton packs specifically for this new threat. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. They could be specific mod- mods like that were designed to fight this villain potentially mm-hmm. right um that's an interesting thought because there is like one point in the trailer where you see trevor wearing yeah. what appears to be an unmodified proton mm-hmm. pack right and i've heard it suggested that that might be the gunner seat pack that he's got like 
on him or it might be Egon's pack from Afterlife. That's one of those two because it's unmodified, but I'm not sure. Um, I I have to be fair in saying I didn't pay that close of attention to it. But um, the idea that maybe there is the old packs at the beginning of the movie or at one point in the movie and then they start using these newer ones or they start making modifications to them to make them work to fight the big bad would be interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Now, I'm I'm actually a little curious when it comes to these modifications. Like um, Winston, I mean, in in Afterlife, we're told he's millionaire, coin to fortune. Uh, they've got this facility now, apparently, that they're designing all this equipment in. I'm kind of curious as to the reason that everything still looks very mad sciency, if, if mm. you know, to kind of use that because. I don't know if you're going to refine something, change something, what have you there. Like, I find it weird that there's so many like exposed wires that are hanging out of the pack still. Right. I feel like it's almost time that you're going to, you're going to refine a little bit. Um, if you're, if, I mean, if you're going to change it, like the changes that they have made, there are some there that make sense. Like the iron arm that's like twisted now, it's kind of like turned around. Mm-hmm. Um, now having a pack, you know, if you have a replica or you know, what have you, that you have that, obviously it's not going to catch on things. So that's awesome. Uh, you've also got now the um, the bumper, which has a third section hanging down, right. which I don't I don't, I don't know the 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 reason the motivation like why I I don't know. Uh, in every movie, while they have packs on and their equipment on, they do get blasted backwards and mm. onto their asses. So it seems like they might have you know that's on there for like extra brace. Because they're at every, including afterlife, they're always blown backwards and smashing down on the pack. So it yeah, feels like I, makes sense. I was thinking the same thing. That. If you look at the way that that new yellow bumper is designed, it essentially wraps under the bottom of the pack, right? So it's kind of like would protect the bottom of the cyclotron from a drop or a slam. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say I know that I think we've all seen this thing called a thong. Uh, in different groups on, you know, Facebook that now it's the cyclothong. I'm just going to say this from my standpoint. You all don't have to agree if you don't want to take such a hard stance, but stop calling it a thong. It's very cringy. Um, It's really weird to refer to parts of a proton pack as being uh, women's underwear. It's just to me very strange, but I will say if you have to refer to it as something to me, it looks like Borat's mankini. And I um, (laughs) really want a proton pack now that I just put Borat's mankini on. And when I turn the pack on, it doesn't go pew. It just goes my wife. And that's like what it does. It just <laughs> yells Borat things when you shoot it at people. So if anyone wants to build me a Borat pack, let me know. Uh, but yeah, I mean that the, leaving the thong thing aside, I think that the, no, 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 bumper, let's not leave the thong thing. No, no, no. Let's, let's continue with the thong thing. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I want to get, I want to get deep into it. Yeah. Uh, first of all, a thong can be, it's not regulated just to women, Jim. A man can wear a thong. It doesn't matter. That's fair. It, it's like you're comfortable in one. I wear them. Yeah. My dad wears them. <laughs> exactly. They come in pairs. Great. That's, great. <laughs> That's why you and your dad wear them together? Because you go shopping for your thongs together? Is that? <laughs> That's what we call flip-flops in Australia, thongs. <laughs> I wear them. Especially when I'm hot. <laughs> Jason go on <laughs> but uh, the, the one thing I did want to add I mean on top of people calling it the cyclothong uh, there was quite a few people that legit took a real thong yes um, and then put it on their proton pack and decided <laughs> to take a photo uh, and, you know post on social media now I've got no problem if people are doing this and I, I'm going to go back to what you said you know ladies wear thongs or what have you there right like I'm, I'm going to go back to that that notion if 
these these individuals are posting photos of their proton pack wearing a thong. Um, I, I'm hoping that they're asking their significant other, male, female, whatever, beforehand. Or even if it's, th- I mean, if it's them, great, you know, you can do that. But if they're if it's from their significant other, they should really be asking before posting their unmentionables online. I saw one with a stain. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like we're not too far off that we're going to like hear of like a divorce case happening. And like, yeah. that'll be like the, the, that was the catalyst right there. You started posting photos of my thong online. I, I'm glad you said this because I had the same reaction. I saw a couple that I was just like, look, I took my wife's underwear and put it on my proton pack. And I was like, did you just do that? Did you ask first or did you just go grab somebody? Look, this is what my wife wears when when she doesn't have does clothes on. You're like, this is a very weird choice of how to go relate to your fr- fellow fans over a proton pack. I mean, uh, and over I something admit, you saw in a movie trailer. Like... I, I saw one with a real frilly one on and I, yeah. I, I, I clicked the guy's profile and I was like, it showed who he was married to. I was like, I clicked it, I clicked it. And I was like, huh, all right, <laughs> there you go. There you go. So yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to continue with my advocacy that we're going to call that, you know, a bumper because that's still what it is and not a thong. Um, and the, the final thing I'll say on this is that I really don't want to start referring to sections of the proton pack as the taint of the proton pack, (laughs) which is the other reason that I really don't need us to start using thong as the thing. Like, really, whoa, which what's going on? I've got a thong on my proton pack, and that means that there's two big, you know, cyclotronic ass cheeks. And underneath it is the the taint of the pack. No, thank you. We're good. (laughs) Well, stick with the Slimer booty. That's significant enough. I'm okay with that. Um, But, you know, some people will think that I'm being a little too... A little too conservative, perhaps. I don't know. But <laughs> you know, the gooch right next to the end filter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that beyond the uh, you know, the, even though we're not gonna talk about thongs anymore, I do want to talk about some other stuff that uh potentially we might still have yet to see in the movie. Uh one of the things I want to know, the trailer didn't tell us at all, is we don't know who Emily Allen Lind is at all. We did not see that performer in the trailer. And so we know that that, that she is a principal actor in the film who was kind of like billed to us as being one of the stars in the movie. Uh, but we don't know what her character is, her role. She's not even depicted. So does that mean that potentially she is the voice of a big bad? Does it mean that she has a completely different role? I'm not really sure, you know, but I'm, I'm intrigued to know who does she play? Uh, cause we don't know who Patton is, but we get a sense that he, teaches people about the history of Ghostbusters and wears a lanyard like he does in Angels of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and we don't know who Kumail is, but we see him interacting with artifacts and, uh, you know, whatnot. So there's got to be some connection to the paranormal for them. But who is Emily and Alan Lynn? What's their role in this film is kind of yet to be seen. Uh, I think, Brendan, you were suggesting a little a little bit that you want to talk about the uh, sort of how does this movie end? Like, will it end with a showdown in the firehouse or is it happening somewhere else? Yeah, well, I think firstly, I think what what's the actress's name again? Emily Allen Lind. Emily, I think she is the big bad. I was looking at uh, pictures of her uh, just normally, and she has a very chiseled cheek line. She's got a very Dana Barrett sort of vibes I get from her. I think she's definitely going to be the big bad. But I'm curious whether we think there's going to be a last stand at the firehouse because that's. The vibes I was getting from the trailer. We're yeah. all leading 
to the firehouse in the finale. So what's our yeah. thoughts on that? Um, I think that yeah. you may be right about that. Like, I think that if you, I mean, I think a lot of this movie is going to take place in the firehouse. I'll be honest. I think that there's the potentiality that, you know, what we're seeing in the trailer is parts from the end of the movie and there'll be a lot more lead up to it. But looking at how the ice is moving through the city, like from what we've seen, that ice comes ashore and then it literally goes to the firehouse. It's like makes a pathway straight to the firehouse and sets up like almost a roadway to it with these V-shaped spikes coming out of the ground. And so if there was a reason why you were going to make this um, movie called Firehouse at a uh, production level, and the last one was called Rust City, where you got the sense that everything took place in this particular one location, I'm really wondering if like we're going to get some early exposition in this movie, and then a lot of it is going to take place at the Firehouse with a final showdown at the end. But um, I, I kind of hope so. I think it would be interesting to see a battle happen inside the firehouse and to have those stakes of kind of, to put it in these terms, saving the Batcave, um, you know, from others, from the Joker or whatever. But clearly in this case, it's not the Joker. It's a big frozen thing with horns. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see that if it happens. Well, I think Tony, the, you, uh, you separate the teams. I, I think that's probably what's going to happen is you're going to have it where uh, I mean, there's so many different bodies to keep track of in this film. Uh, I think you have one team at the firehouse. You have the other team that's out and about when everything happens. And maybe that's what is, you know, Dan Aykroyd and, um, uh, you know, some of the other characters there. You know, that's why they're at the library at that point. Maybe that's when it's first starting to happen. Um, I don't know. It, it's a really weird thing because, like, it looks like that the ice just kind of comes in and it just takes over everything. But, like, where does it stop? You know, like, is it going yeah. right towards that one area? Is it one central, like, you know, shape that's going towards it? Uh, does it take over like they're at the library? The library doesn't look iced over. Um, what part of the film is that? Like there's so many questions and clearly it seems like when they're at the library, they know this threat. You know, they're I would assume they're trying to find books there or something like that. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of unknown answers. And at the same time, too, it wouldn't be too uncommon for visual effects either not to be finished or us to be shown something different in the trailer. That's going to look totally different in the final yeah. film. Yep. And that's I mean, we even saw that with Afterlife, where there were things that in the, were in the trailer we never actually saw in the movie. There were effects that were entirely different um, in terms of coloration and all kinds of other stuff. So I think that that is kind of funny. I saw people complaining, um, you know, these spikes don't look real enough and complaining about how the ice all looks too uniform. And I want to be like, you don't even know if this is final <laughs> effects like you don't <laughs> for all you know, this is just, you know, placeholder effects for now and you're gonna get something else later. But um, yeah tony were, did you have something to add uh as far as like a finale happening at the firehouse i think that would make it feel even more real ghostbustery because so much of the cartoon actually took place and there was a lot of things that happened at the firehouse and if that's what happens i'm i'm game for that too i think that's a really good point it would be kind of more like a cartoon or more like a video game kind of thing if you had uh, the conflict happening at home you know in a way well, I think we've covered uh, a lot of things that we've seen in the trailer that we're hoping to see. And, you know, we've got this idea of potentially we're going to get a showdown at the end of the firehouse. Potentially we may lose our firehouse. I mean, we don't know anything. This is all still speculation coming from things. But I will ask you as collectors and as purveyors of fine, uh, you know, Ghostbusters inspired toys and things and media. What coming out of the trailer 
is something that you now know that you want for your collection or that you hope that gets produced. Is there anything from the trailer that made you go, I hope we need that and we don't have it? I want a Patton Oswald action. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing. No, uh, I mean, let's be honest here. The, the, the Proton Pack has been changed, so Hasbro can sell a Proton Pack. Like, that's, I, I think that's what we're going to be getting in the next year or two. Like, once this HasLab finishes, I wouldn't doubt if we're going to see another HasLab down the road. Or something a little bit more mass retail. I I don't know, but I, I figure Hasbro is going to do something with that. Um, so yeah, definitely an updated, you know, mass produced Proton Pack. I think is is something we're going to get. And um, I know Hasbro they teased it um, as part of the the roundtable they did uh, earlier this week or last week. Um, and I feel like you know they they said that there is going to be Plasma Series figures coming. And it's so strange to me that we never got Paul Rudd. We're going to get Paul Rudd. We right. never got a Carrie Coon. We're going to get a Carrie Coon. Um, so characters like that. And I'm assuming too, you know, if, if, if Kumail and James and, and all those guys, they suit up, if they look toyetic, we're going to get, you know, those guys as well. Um, and looking at this big baddie that's a, in the trailer, I would assume like that thing is ample for like a build a ghost. Yeah. You know, you got the torso, the leg portion, two arms and the head, um, even detachable horns too. It'd be perfect. Yeah. You could definitely make that the build a figure for the next like a plasma, like the next plasma series line. If you had another series of that, that would make sense. I've joked that it would be kind of funny to see it as a has lab. Like <laughs> you have to build the big bad because <laughs> they have the shot in the trailer where the big bad is shoving some horns in its head, like just plugging them in like accessories. And I was like, well, that would be kind of funny if that was how they designed this figure was you had to build it. So, but yeah, I I think you may be right about. I don't know. I don't know if they change the proton packs to sell more proton packs. I think, you know, that's a funny thing to consider. Well, OK, but, not not to sell. Right. Well, OK, well, they know people are going to rebuy them. Sure. So that's one thing. And also these new proton packs are more toyetic. Yeah. You know, it, when it comes to like a six inch action figure, they're going to be more appealing to the eye. They're going to look yeah. better. They're going to look they're going to look nice. Um, I am. I am kind of I, I, I do have a feeling that like spirit Halloween are like, you know, cursing them like, ah, I got to gonna have to mold that bumper that uh, cyclothong separately now it can't be all the same piece damn but uh yeah no i think i think definitely we're gonna get some new proton pack stuff and um you know action figure out obviously but the i'm really curious too about the things that we didn't really see uh again they kind of like the wrist attachment that looks like whoever it looks like maybe finn wolfhard i don't know that the one character had uh i mean that if it is a wrist attachment that ties it back to like the original 84 Ghostbusters where before they right. had proton packs, they had like those little, you know, zapper wrist guns. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited to see what they kind of crank out when it comes to some of that stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I think we're definitely going to be getting another proton pack. I think if we do get another proton pack, I think I will be interested to see is how many people buy it. Because I think that I don't know that Hasbro can sell 21,000 proton packs again. <laughs> I, I think you would probably rely on these sales of the, or like the, the film, just, just how well it does. If yeah. this is a huge blockbuster like they're hoping it is, right. um, you're going to have a whole new audience that had no idea about the first HasLab. Yeah. And I mean, I see it in my YouTube videos when I upload something and there's so many people that are like, hey, they should bring them back or I had no idea. Right. Um, a lot of people just didn't know idea. You know, yeah, know that's at the time. true. And, you may be right about that, especially if you bring in a new group of fans who are not, you know, who, have, who weren't there before when we were, when we were doing the last one. That might make some sense, but I'm, I'm interested to see if they do it. I think they totally can do it. I don't think it's that, that big of a challenge or change in terms of what they have to really swap out. And, um, I mean, even the way the pack is designed now, 
the bumper comes off. So if they use the same base shell, they could really easily change out the bumper and just have you, you know, screwing on a different one as opposed to the one that exists. So we'll see. Maybe they could also do like a, a HasLab accessory pack for your existing Proton pack. So that way you could just change it yourself. And when they don't do that, I imagine that some group of prop builders and <laughs> makers and folks in the community will go ahead and do it. Um, but Tony, anything that you kind of came from uh, the coming out of the trailer that you hope to see, uh, you know, either retail or collectibles and stuff that you want to get your hands on? Uh, kind of more like what along the lines of what Jason was saying. I'd like to see a, a continuation of the plasma series because we never got the Carrie Coon and the Paul Rudd. And it'd be nice to see some really cool ghosts in that scale and in that line potentially, or that would be really nice. And the, the, the main villain, even just from the silhouette and the glowing eyes and the horns, it's, it's looking very toyetic. And I think that they can do some really cool things with translucent plastics and the ice feel and all that. But yeah, I would like to see a continuation of the Plasma series and get some more. Uh, uh, hopefully not just people in khaki suits, maybe actually different <laughs> clothes and probably orange jackets, I would assume. But yeah more plasma <laughs> more plasma it's series coming. and uh as far as collectibles go i'd like to see uh something new something fresh something we haven't seen before not just the same logo and the marshmallow man and slimer hopefully something comes out of this film that is another iconic character so that when we do get more merchandise it's more of a variety and not just the same old same old so with the direction it looks like they're going hopefully we do get something like that yeah, I think you're right. I think we, 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 it would be good for us to get more of um, the new Ghostbusters, you know, more like I want Paul Rudd figures. I want, you know, like a Gary Gruberson figure would be great. So, uh, Brendan, what do you think uh, you're hoping to see, you know, potentially at retail as somebody who designs toys and uh, does a lot of art? Like, is there anything that grabs your attention and you immediately go, we need that? Well, I'm a creature guy, so I'm always about the ghosts. I don't think, feel we had enough ghosts. In the last run of the Plasma series, we're definitely missing a muncher there. And maybe a green spud might turn up in the in the next one. So that'd be nice to get one of him. And uh, ultimately, I think a place at a firehouse would be amazing. Yeah. So that's what I've got my hopes set on. So fingers crossed we get one of those. You actually just kind of hit on something that I'm hoping to see. Like I've been joking for a while that I would love to see um, what I kept calling firehouse origins, like masters of the universe has done the origins line where they've essentially retooled the old school figures and made them with newer technology. So that way they have interchangeable parts and stuff. And then they redid castle Grayskull and they added new technology to it so that that way it can do more things than it used to do. And I would love to see like the Kenner firehouse that we had when we were kids, but sort of redone, like to have more interactive features to have the ability and potentially if you're going to do like one based off this movie, it would be cool to have a playset that had like ice that you could take in and out of the firehouse that you could make it look pre or post attack. And I don't think we'll mm -hmm. get that. I'll be honest. I think it's a pretty big ask to get that kind of a interactive playset, you know, but I mean, one can dream. And for me, if it happened, I want to see that fright features line. Like as much as we're talking, as much as we're talking about the, the plasma series line, my favorite line from the last movie was not the plasma series line. It was that little fright features line that came where they did each of the ghostbusters and a little companion ghost that went with them that felt almost like 
the Kenner figures when we were kids. So I don't think we'll get a plasma series firehouse, but I would be totally stoked if we got another line of fright features. And then part of that was, oh, here's a, a firehouse that's just like the one you had as a kid, but better, you know, like that would make a lot of sense to me. And I think that if this is the last movie, like we don't know that for sure, but if the firehouse gets destroyed in this movie, there's not really going to be a lot of reason to keep doing firehouse based merchandise. Here's some random speculation just to throw out there. <laughs> I've been thinking about why would you destroy the firehouse? And it's kind of like the same reason why potentially you don't have a 112 Ecto-1. You got to pay somebody to make stuff, right? Like there's got to be payments for that building every time it gets used in something because that building is owned by the city of New York and it's architectural design, it's iconic representation. Somebody's got to have it sign off on that and having, having it be there. Whereas if you get rid of the firehouse, you kind of don't need to keep paying those kinds of royalties and things when you make a Ghostbusters headquarters playset. So I don't know if that has anything to do with the rationale for anything that will happen in the movie, but it's a thing I've considered. So I don't know. If we're going to destroy things, I'd like the new designs at least be as good or better. There's nothing yeah. worse than getting a, a bad, poor design. Uh, um, like I said, I'm big on the creature designs in movies. Like I love the Jurassic films and Predator and Kremlins and all that sort of stuff. But nothing annoys me more, like with the, the Jurassic movies in particular. None of those dinosaurs ever look the same. They keep changing them and like they're getting worse and worse and worse. I don't like, like it when people like change things just for the sake of it. Like I hope they're going to, if they are going to like destroy the Ecto and move on and get some contemporary, I hope the design's good. So yeah. mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. I hope that the, uh, that the R&D lab is located inside of a Waffle House. No, I don't really want that. <laughs> <laughs> I am sort of like wondering if the firehouse does get destroyed in the next movie, like where do they go next? Where what is it that they end up working out of as opposed to a building of convenience that they found 40 years ago because it was what was available and vacant and within their price range? Um, now that they have a far more extensive uh, set of budget to work with, given that they've got all this influx of cash coming from Winston, et cetera, where do they go? Um, do they build their own facility? Do they move out of New York, what happens next? And we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll be totally wrong about this and they won't destroy the firehouse at all. And we'll just sound like we did a trailer review and speculated far too much about things that don't happen in the movie. <laughs> Let's go back and revisit this in a year and see how we feel about it. <laughs> um, well, I do want to talk about one final thing here while I have you, uh, because Tony and Brendan, it would, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about what you have going on toy wise and coming out, coming down the pipeline. Uh, I know that right now you've got your colossal figures you're working on, correct? Yes. Our colossal creepers, big boys. T tell me a bit about <laughs> colossal creepers. I just kind of did it for fun. Just, uh, I just wanted to see what one would, uh, just take one of our crypt creeper designs and do it at a bigger scale, more, more kind of like inspired by like the look of some uh, Safubi and some of the Godzilla toys and stuff, the larger kaiju creatures, but in like translucent plastics and that kind of stuff. And so I just attempted to make one and 
uh, showed Brendan. He's like, we got to sell those now. <laughs> People are going <laughs> to love it. It's all his idea. But no, it's just it's our it's our uh, our uh, scary Scalari characters, but just on a much larger scale. They were over seven inches tall and. They're big, they're big boys. They're pretty heavy. I don't know if you can use them as bookends. I've seen a lot of people saying that. I don't know if they're quite that heavy, but they, they're <laughs> definitely that big. Yeah, they're a good size. I definitely made that suggestion that I was going to buy them for that reason. I was like, I'm going to use this to hold up books in my house. This is great. <laughs> you wanted to know if they were hollow and you could put your crystal head vodka in it. I did. I may have asked this question. I may have asked you if you can produce me sourdough uh, containers. Was another thing I was like, can you make these out of food grade plastic so I can put my Scolari Brothers sourdough starter inside of my Scolari Brothers figures and then make that a very difficult way to work in my kitchen? Because that would be easy to clean. Um, but yeah, I, I, I recognize that they're not hollow. I appreciate that they're, they're, they're not going to be hollow, but yeah. I like a toy that you could like cave someone's head in. I like that. You know, you can just pick it up and just, yeah, I would be careful. You don't like that. someone. <laughs> the spikes on the top are, they're kind of sharp. So I'd be warned, yeah. be a little careful with them. Tried him for murder, gave him the Scolari just right across his head. <laughs> So those are available now over on phantasmtoys.com for pre-order, correct? Correct. Yep. For a, for a limited time only. I don't know if it's something I think we'd, we'd like to we discussed uh, bringing back some of our previous released Crypt Creepers that a lot of people are still finding us and are new and missed out on some releases. And we thought a really fun way to do that would be to introduce a, a previous released Creeper, make them available along with some limited edition, yeah. much larger ones with it to have some fun with them and yeah they're a lot of fun that's awesome um brendan anything that you are you want to tell us about that you've been in the back of your brain that you're sculpting or that you want to tease that's coming up uh it's all top secret can't tell you jim there's lots going on there's (laughs) lots of things we've got like sculpted like 12 months ago it hasn't seen the light of day yet but yeah there's only when I'm not here, just Tony by himself producing all this stuff. So we just got to chip away at it and release it. And like the Scolaris themselves, they're going to be a limited run. So they're that, they're that large. And there's another big floating head in the back of Tony's background that we've got coming around the corner. So we're excited about that one. Yeah, um, that's your, um, that is the, the, the Vigo uh, head that you've, I think, didn't you show that off at New York Comic Con? That's not Vigo. No, that's not Vigo. That's the Carpathian. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had yeah. we had we had a couple made and we showed off it uh, when we did Cincinnati and Cincinnati Comic Expo. Gotcha. Yeah, we're definitely oh, that's gonna right. do that. I'm sorry. I said New York Comic Con. You went there as as attendees rather than as vendors at New York, but you did go to Cincinnati as vendors. So my bad. Um yeah, no, those those are very cool. I I'm always excited to see what you have coming down the pike, and I will say over and over and over again to the moon that uh, you guys make great, excellent stuff. I was very amused by the fact that uh, I watched a live stream that Yes Have Some did with uh, Jay from Geek Dad Life, and which Jay from Geek Dad Life began talking about what Hasbro makes, and then began talking about what other toy makers make. They might be in the chat room right now. And I looked over and I was like, oh, you guys are in the chat room right now. <laughs> it's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So it's not just me who likes you. There's a lot of people who like the work you do. Uh, but I, um, I'm interested and eager to see what you have coming down the pike and sort of what the new movie is going to give us all in terms of characters. 
you know, um, I think like Spirits Unleashed has given us some characters and some different ghosts and things that people can work with in terms of creating content or creating figures and et cetera. And so, you know, what will the next movie give us? Um, I've kind of suggested that I want to see um, because Bug Eye Ghost was in the uh, last movie. And when Halloween, we got a trailer that not a trailer. We got the teaser for a teaser at Halloween that was like, hey, there's a t- trailer coming um, that had howling uh, wolves in the background and a full moon with bats. And so I kind of suggested that in the next movie, uh, the Kenner Dracula and Wolfman are in the movie. Like that the big <laughs> the bug eye ghost was the precedent for this. <laughs> Clearly, if bug eye ghost was in the last movie, then given that little tease, I'm waiting for Wolfman to show up and uh, Dracula. Fearsome it's not going to happen. But yes, I want to see Fearsome Flush in live action, please. Yeah, that would be great. Make that canon. That, Come on. <laughs> yeah. We saw yeah, him in uh, Look Who's Talking 2 already. <laughs> wow, that's have a movie I haven't thought it? about in a while. Yeah, I haven't thought about that movie in a really long Give time. Give me your pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. There is a talking toilet in that movie. You, you are correct. So, yeah. Maybe that's a crossover we need now. The Look Who's Talking Ghostbusters universe. That's, that would be weird. Um, hey, that would give me an Abe Vigoda action figure. <laughs> <laughs> Just what everyone needs. An Just Abe Vigoda action figure. Who, who didn't need that before? But I will say, though, uh, your slimeball animated that I'm, that I'm seeing, uh, that I've been seeing for the past several months, if and when that sees the light of day, I, I figure that may be one of your biggest, your biggest hits. Like, that thing looks amazing. The sculpt looks fantastic. Uh, I was blown away uh, when you guys were at the con and you were posting images of the actual food because I thought it was just like, I don't know what I thought. I thought more like the old Kinner style food kind of thing, you know, like just flat, but like everything is sculpted there. It looks amazing. Uh, and then you top it up with like that retro uh, Kinner-ish style packaging, uh, which by the way, I love the, um, the, the Moogly with these stay cool marshmallow man, I guess I'll call him uh, on <laughs> yes, the cover there. Yeah, yeah, yeah stay was, cool, baby. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Oh, well, yeah. thanks, Jason. Yeah, there's in regards to like slime balls, um, find a lot of the people producing the the ghosts aren't really paying attention to the details. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to go in and sort of give us something that actually represented the cartoon version as well as the, the movie version that we've already produced. Yeah. And then you're, uh, you know, you've got people like Steve Johnson suggesting that you have the best version of the character that he created. So, you know, you're doing Couldn't good work. Couldn't get a better compliment than that. Yeah. No. So I, I hope that we continue to see uh, great stuff. And I love your Scolari brothers figures, your scary Scolaris. They're great little figures. And so the giant sized ones, I think if you're out there and you want to add something cool to your collection, you gotta check them out. The work you both do is outstanding, and I'm excited to sort of see you uh, continuing to produce stuff and your colossal figures are out there for folks to grab. Um, anything else that you all want to add like just before we wrap this up in terms of stuff about the trailer, stuff about the movie, about the Ghostbusters community going forward as we approach this new movie? Anything else that you want to talk about or anything else you want to potentially plug, etc.? I think this is the most positivity that I've felt in the fandom since I can really remember. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited for this new film. And I think 
potentially. I mean, with the afterlife, there was all the buildup of uh, the decades gap between films. Uh, so that was the big drive to see that one. But this one, I think I'm more excited to see, like, just as a just as a movie in general. So, yeah, this we're in the golden age of Ghostbuster fandom right now, I think. Yeah. I think you're kind of right about that. And and to be real, like we're at the beginning of that because we still have comic books coming, um, mm-hmm. animated stuff coming. The writer's strike and whatnot really, you know, the actor's strike really kind of put a, a freeze on a lot of what was teased to us over a year ago uh, as what was on the horizon. And so as much as we're all excited about this new movie coming out, I think you're right that there's kind of an era of content was somewhat disrupted. If you can think about it, that it was all supposed to potentially work together between a video game, a movie, the other stuff that was all kind of being planned together. And then some of it got done and some of it got disrupted and all kinds of things have gone on. So I think it will be really interesting to see what else is coming in the rest of this sort of new era of Ghostbusters. I'm excited about it. Going to get some frozen food tie-ins. <laughs> we better. <laughs> yeah, I agree. If we don't get at least an ice cream tie-in. Uh, you know, some sort of like Italian ice, potentially that would be good. I don't think you can do two, two, two snow cones. I don't think the new ghost is really big on snow. I think the new ghost is big on ice, but we'll see. Well, I want to thank all three of you for coming out for the panel uh, to talk about the trailer and to talk about what's coming up with Ghostbusters. Um, and I'm sure that we'll get to talk again soon again about, you know, this movie, about everything Ghostbusters, because you're three phenomenal people who I enjoy talking to all the time. Uh, and when I'm not talking to you on a podcast, I'm usually direct messaging you to be like, let's talk about random things anyway, because it's Tuesday. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I really do value all three of you and appreciate your insights and your thoughts on things. Um, for folks out there listening, uh, you can go, of course, and find Phantasm Toys at Phantasm Toys, F-A-N-T-A-Z-M Toys on Instagram. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. You can go to their website, PhantasmToys.com. Uh, of course, Jason, we want to thank you for coming on the show. And of course, you contribute amazing things from Ghostbusters News, which if people don't know where to find that, they're crazy. Go to GhostbustersNews.com. Well, I want to <laughs> take this opportunity and thank uh, both you, Jim and Jason, for not just supporting us and helping spread the word on the things that we're creating and doing over here, but just in spreading the the news and keeping everybody up to date. And I, I between becoming kind of friends with both of you and seeing all the hard work you put into what you do. Thanks for everything you guys do too. Yes. Thank you. It's... Well, I thank you, Jim, for having me yet again, even though, you know, I continuously am, I'm a lackluster guest and, uh, <laughs> oh, to, to phantasm toy. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, uh, phantasm toys. Uh, I would like to thank you for fueling my, uh, my toy addiction, uh, continuing that. And uh, likely leading to uh, to my divorce at one point because <laughs> be like my wife's like what more toys I'm like yep more toys phantasm yeah we're gonna need another detox <laughs> yeah. unfortunately that's not the first anymore. time we've heard that yeah 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 so hey you are not a lackluster guest at all um, you are no. a phenomenal guest and I always appreciate that you're here and I have said this over and over again that uh, what extraplasm is ultimately about and would we'd be nothing without is the voice of a smart intellectual people within the fandom who have things to say and things to share and who also can make jokes about Slimer's butt. Uh, so thank you for being that all three of you and, uh, you know, make sure that you don't do anything wrong with anybody's thong after this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
but thank you for real all three of you for coming on the podcast and for being great supporters of the podcast um and for being great friends and uh hope to talk to each of you again soon thanks a lot thanks for having us adios (laughs) take care everybody that about wraps things up for extraplasm this week i want to say thank you once again to jason to tony and to brendan for coming out and essentially being an awesome panel of people who responded to uh, questions thrown at them on the fly about what was going on with the trailer and what they think about it. I always have fun talking to all three of them, but it was really kind of nice to hash out how we feel about the trailer and what we think it all means and how it's going to come together um, in this conversation. So I hope it was enjoyable for you too. And every week, of course, I thank Brendan for contributing to the podcast by providing its logo and its branding and identity. And so uh, Brendan, thank you, of course, for that as well. I also want to say thank you to Vaporwave artist Magnavox, whose version of Ghostbusters serves as our theme song each week. And of course, I need to thank you uh, for listening, for being patient uh, when I wasn't here last week. And for those of you who reached out and made me feel like I was almost kind of semi-important by going, where are you, dude? Um, That was kind. It was nice. Also, I'm sorry if I let you down. Uh, And I hope I didn't. I hope this week kind of makes up for it and you got a good conversation out of it. If you have stuff you want to share with the podcast, if you are finding uh, you know, things you want to comment on in terms of the trailer or anything else that's going on, you can, of course, reach me at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com or via social media on Instagram or X at extraplasm. And additionally, you can, of course, find the podcast on Facebook as Extraplasm Podcast, as well as on YouTube. I want to encourage you uh, to have a great rest of your week to uh, enjoy watching the trailer over and over and over and over and over again, because you know we're all going to and keep talking about it. And as you get more and more excited for the Ghostbusters movie ahead, don't forget to keep in mind what Ernie Hudson says every week. Try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. <laughs>